0: You're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, so grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations. I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm going to get into it really quick and tell you the announcements super quick. Number one, if you haven't joined the Facebook crew yet, we discuss the episodes. We don't really discuss anything. We just hang out, and it's a great way to connect with other people who listen to the show and get to talk to me. And I love talking to you, so link is in the show notes. And also in the show notes, there's a link to iTunes. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do it is tell a friend and also to leave a review on iTunes. That would be really, really nice of you. It makes my day. So that would be cool. That's really all I have to share with you. I hope you guys have an amazing week. And this episode, it's such a great conversation. I absolutely love Val, who you'll meet and get to know in this episode. She's Valerie Chaney. Check out Real Girl Programs. I'm going to be part of it. And that is the organization that she supports and works for. And with, If you listen to the Pete Holmes podcast, you've made it weird with Pete Holmes. And she's actually made a couple appearances on the Pete Holmes podcast. And I loved her on there, and you will too, because she's just so kind and genuine and really cool and funny. And I just relate to her a lot. We're into the same things. And I always wanted to meet her as I would listen to the podcast. And not even only when she was actually on his podcast, hosting it with him but also whenever he would mention her and the things that she liked i would be like dang i like that stuff too this val character sounds really cool and so eventually we became friends and here she is on the podcast and when i'm getting to know her she's so awesome i absolutely adore her and i know you will too and you'll have a lot of fun listening to this episode Actually, I did have one more announcement that I forgot, so super quick, if you listened to last week's episode with Kim all about sex and our vaginal health, definitely check out her course, Vaginal Kung Fu, that is starting really soon. The link to that is in the show notes. I took it last year, so if you have any questions on that email me katydalebow at gmail.com or just check out the link in the show notes. There's a free video series that goes along with that, that even just doing that little free video series will really teach you a lot. It taught me a lot. So just wanted to plug that and I'll talk to you soon. I think I told you this in email, but every time he would mention you, I would be like, oh my gosh, this Val girl sounds so cool. Like when he had Josh Radner on, he was like, yeah, you know, my girlfriend Val likes his movies. And I was like, I love his movies. And then when (laughs) Elizabeth Gilbert came on, he was like, oh yeah, you know, my girlfriend Val was really excited. I was like, I'm really excited about this one. And then we're the exact same age. And so then when I, like, when you were actually on one of the the podcasts, you were everything you said, I was like, oh my gosh, she seems so nice and cool. And I learned more about what you do and the organization you work with. And I was like, so I emailed you and here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was so fun to get your email because when I did Pete's podcast, I gave out my email as like a promotion for a uh, real girl, my organization that I work for. And I got a bunch of emails, from people saying like, "Can you ask Pete to do my podcast?" or "Can you ask Pete if I could be on his podcast?" Oh my and then I get this really, really sweet email from you saying, um, "I think we should be friends." And do you want to do my podcast? Yeah. I was like, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm thrilled to actually be. I, I, The work that you're doing is so great and so important and so in line uh, with what I'm passionate about and what I do. So, I, I was very happy that you reached out.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's I I love podcasts so much because I get to have a deep conversation with someone the first time that I ever speak with them, you know, and it gives me kind of an excuse to talk to people that I want to talk to and I might not get to otherwise, unless we were recording. So it's I'm really grateful for it.
1: Totally. Yeah, that's exactly what Pete says about his podcast too. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. He says something that, that really, um, this is, it's kind of like being on an airplane where you turn off your cell phone and you're with somebody for an hour, two hours. His podcasts are like super long sometimes. Yep. <laughs> and it's, you're so present with that person. And I think the Long-form conversation, I think that's why people are liking podcasts so much because it's kind of become a lost art because people are on their phones or it's little sound bites or, you know, and I mean, I love me some This American Life as much as the next guy, but even...
1: Yeah, totally. Isn't it funny that we had all these things like instant messaging and texting and like now because of podcasts, we're all like, oh, wait, conversations are so like, have you heard this new thing where people just talk (laughs) to each other? It's so crazy. <laughs> I know, I know.
0: It's so funny. I never even thought of that. Yeah, like, our generation, it was all AIM, you know, growing up. Yeah. like, how we, uh-huh. like, communicated with each other. And so, yeah, gosh, I didn't even think about that. It, this is really, <laughs> yeah. like, innovative but really vintage and old.
1: <laughs> totally. I love that we just, like, we – I'm, I'm all about, like, human connection and the way that, that we kind of need each other. So I love that we just, like, found a new way to go back to this thing where it's like, oh, we just – we require connecting with each other. We have to do it. Like, however we – whatever form it takes, like, we need to just, like, sit down and, and get to know each other, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And don't you think that, like, the best parts of the conversation, like, happen after there's been, like, you know – half an hour or you, you've talked about one thing that led to the next and led to the next. And it, you know, it's, you have to get deep in there to get to those places.
1: Totally. Absolutely. Well, that's, that is Pete's defense for why his podcast is often two hours is he says like people don't really get comfortable until the second hour.
0: So that's how you
1: get them like really, uh, really open up after that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So I want to know everything about you basically. So did you always live in LA or you live in LA now but have what brought you there?
1: Um I well Pete brought me there actually. Uh I lived in I'm from Northern California, uh like almost the Oregon border, Humboldt County. It's actually the same uh I went to the same high school as Sarah Bareilles. That's the only famous oh, person. Oh, that's cool. That's, Are you
0: guys friends?
1: no she was like she's a few years older than me so we didn't go there at the same time but was she that's like, like in our all
0: the school plays and stuff
1: she was in our um like the, it's called limited it, yeah it's called limited edition it's like the the acapella group like it's oh, they're cool. like a really popular. It's hard to get into. And she was like the star of that I heard while she was there. Um, But other than that, and weed, like it's the place where a lot of people grow really good weed. Those are our only claims to fame. (laughs) So um, yeah, so it's a tiny, tiny town. And uh, I met Pete at a show in San Francisco, and we were long distance for about a year and a half. And then finally, uh, just when that started becoming unbearable, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I had just uh, decided that I didn't really want to teach middle school anymore, which is what I was doing. So um, I felt like a good time for a change. So I, we went from being long distance to living in, in the same house here in L.A., and it was actually a very smooth transition. It, it shouldn't have been. Like, that's where you get the stories of, like, and that's when I found out that it leaves paper towels <laughs> everywhere whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> he does do that, but it doesn't bother me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it was – I've been here for the last year and a half, And um, and I'm really loving it. It's I've been blessed to like kind of inherit this community of friends. And that's something that's so important to me. Um, And now, you know, it takes like about a year usually to adjust and settle in. And um, so now this last six months, it's been feeling really like my home. And and then I found Real Girl uh which ended up being like the perfect job for me at this time and um yeah so i'm really loving it i love i love it here mm,
0: that's so cool it's it's funny because i do listen to his podcast and you know i've well i found it actually somewhat recently ish but i guess it's mm-hmm. time goes by so fast so i guess it was like a year ago but i remember yeah. him talking about like he was not dating anyone. And then he was dating, um, someone long distance and then he was dating you. And so now it like all makes sense. So it's really cool.
1: Yeah. He was very, it was really sweet. He's so, you know, his podcast is, and I'm, I'm sure, um, it sounds like yours is similar in this way. His podcast is very, uh, like transparent. So he's, he's really honest about everything in his life. And, uh, so, so many people come up to him, uh, and say, you know, I feel like I know you, and I usually say, like, you—you you basically do if you listen to the podcast. Yeah. Like, he's very—he's very honest, and um, so it was. We had been dating for a long time before he really even mentioned me, and definitely before he mentioned my name. Uh, so it was kind of sweet. He was like extra protective mm. of of just like our relationship, and so by the time he did start mentioning me, we had already been dating for like two years. <laughs> mm but, but it was really nice. I mean, we're three years into it and, and it is the relationship that I've, I've always dreamt of, but didn't really know was actually possible. So I do feel, um, you know, really in a place to be, to just like say to people, like, hold out. It's really possible to have somebody who like sees you completely and loves you exactly the way that you want and need to be loved. And, you find it really easy to love them in the way that they need to be loved. And it's, it's something really magnificent that both of us are like constantly, like every day we're like, I can't believe we found each other and this is our life. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so it's really good. It's really good stuff.
0: (laughs) So how did you guys meet at, you said you met at a, a show when he was in, um, where you lived in San Francisco
1: um, I lived actually like five hours. So this oh, is the your embarrassing hometown. part. Yeah, yeah. So I lived about five hours north of San Francisco and I had started listening to the podcast, I think, in its first year. Mm-hmm. Uh so it was fairly new. And then I um I like knew him or I just knew that he was a stand-up. I had never really seen any of a stand-up. And so I drove, I was always driving down to San Francisco because even though it was five hours away, it was the nearest city because it's really, my small town's really isolated. Uh, And I drove down uh, with my friend and we went to see a show. And then I actually waited in line to see, to meet him. (laughs) Um, And afterwards he, he, we met and he said, I'm going to be at this bar next door afterwards if you want to meet me there. And I did and couldn't believe that he had, like, I, I just was beside myself the whole time. And, uh, and we like talked until the bar closed and, you know, we kept in touch afterwards and texted and, uh, started seeing each other about once a month in San Francisco. So San Francisco is a very special city to us because that's where we, our relationship was pretty much facilitated for the first year and a half. And, you know, it was a really casual, um, Like it was, we would just like meet and have these like romantic weekends and then go back to our own lives. And which I think was really, really important for both of us. Um, just to learn how I really needed to learn how to be, um, be able to exist and be happy on my own and not require that from the person I was in a relationship with. And, uh, and that really taught me, like, I found so much freedom in being like, I can meet you and, and we can have these wonderful romantic weekends. But then like, I I also am totally fine and living on, you know, living my life on my own. And, and, uh, he really needed that at that time too. So it really set a good foundation for our relationship where, you know, I, I had been in a really, I had been married before and that relationship was really, really codependent. And, um, and, this relationship could not be more opposite. Like it really, it set a good foundation for being like, you have your things that you do and I'll support you in any way I can, but like they're yours and, and I have my things and they're mine. And, um, and for me, that was really important. It was a, a big shift in my life. Once I started seeing when I, when I stopped seeing love as kind of like two incomplete people meet and then they make one complete person to being like too healthy. Now I kind of see love as like a bowl and you each your complete people ideally and you put into that bowl. It's like this third thing outside of you that you like protect and you put into and the healthier that you are, which is only your responsibility to take care of yourself um, the healthier you are, the more you can put into this love bowl or this thing. Um, and so, you know, I do feel like I have a responsibility to him to take care of myself. But that's not why I do it. You know, if yeah. if we were to break up tomorrow, God forbid, I would still, um, I would still know exactly who I was, and it wouldn't be shattering to my identity. Does that make sense?
0: That makes so much sense, and I think so many people need to to know that message. I mean, I know that 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 was the case for me in the last relationship that that I was in, and I think it's really common for people to have their first relationship, or at least a relationship, their first big relationship, or that was the case for me, I guess, to be a codependent situation where you're putting. I think you know when you're young, like you're trying to figure out who you are and I feel like that's pretty common for first big relationships with people for people to think that that's how you do it you just are codependent and that's just what happens with that and we forget to figure out who we are ourselves and we just figure out what the relationship is and we like identify with the relationship instead of identifying ourselves or at least that was the case for me and it sounds like you had a similar situation with your last relationship and then When we broke up, it was, like, a huge awakening and just a big, like, I need to figure out how to unclog my toilet and how to be a person, you know, and I did all of those things and am doing all of those things, and I think that's when you can, you know, attract a new relationship or be in a space to, if that's not even necessarily the goal right away, but to just be like you said, a complete person by yourself because you don't know what, what tomorrow is going to bring. And and even regardless of that, you're such a better person for the other person you're in a relationship with if you are a strong individual yourself.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I When we were long distance, I used to write uh, Pete these like little, I would text him these little poems. And one of the poems I wrote him uh, was called It was like, I could live without you, (laughs) which doesn't sound romantic, but it was like, it was like, I could live without you. I would still eat and breathe and sleep. Like I would, I could, you know, whatever I would, I would still exist and, and be fine. But then like it ends with like, but you know, living with you is so much more fun, (laughs) but it really is. But I, I remember like I sent that to him and he was like, that was my favorite that was like the best way you could love me because when you don't put that pressure of like you have to not only be a person, but you have to also help whoever you're with be a person too, like yeah. that's just putting so much relation so much pressure on your relationship and really like setting it up for not only a a possible failure but like a r- truly devastating one. If that does happen, because then you just have two people who are are completely broken without each other, you know, and yeah. probably also extremely unhealthy with each other, you know. Yeah. Um. So that's one of the the things that we teach at uh, Real Girl. Uh, that's a big thing that we do is we first teach how to have a healthy relationship with yourself. And then teach how to have a healthy relationship with others. Uh, so the foundation really is like first you have to. We use the like oxygen mask um, yeah, I love that. metaphor that, which I totally I I think is so important. Um, and that's something that I didn't really see modeled. My my mother taught me a lot of wonderful things, and she she's really a great person and did the best that she could. But as far as being like an empowered individual. Um, That's something that I had to and and still am having to really kind of teach myself because I I watched my mom um, really just give herself 100% to everybody around her and take so much better care of the people around her than she ever did of herself. And even like it was painted at an early age that like, Putting your health, your like emotional and everything, your health above uh, being responsible for someone else's health, health was completely selfish. Yeah. So like making making a decision that was right for you, possibly even if that means that it hurts somebody else or whatever, was like the worst thing you could do. Mm. <laughs> um. So when I when I left my marriage, that was a really big moment for me to be like, I actually, I don't think that that's right. I don't think anybody wins if you're making decisions that are detrimental to your own health, you know?
0: Yeah. I completely relate to the mother thing. That's the really similar dynamic, um, that I grew up with. And I think that's really important that you're doing that work with real girl to think we see that modeled for us all the time. And, you know, I think, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this, um, you know, that sense of wanting to, and then we see it modeled by our, our mothers, and then, of course, we're going to be codependent in relationships because we see that kind of sense of putting everything into one person, and that's what I think in Committed, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that, of like, we're asking our partners to be our, you know, best friend and also our business partner and also our Mm. romantic partner and you're putting so many hats on this one person where if you can really take care of yourself fully you know you just need someone for like the cuddles and smiles and like (laughs) you can do everything else yourself and you can be this this whole person and and that was like a really really big takeaway for me for that and then also seeing that modeled you know from my mom from a young age of taking care of others before yourself that is something that just becomes ingrained in us. And it's, it's something that's been really important to me lately of my mom devoted her entire life to taking care of me. And recently, you know, I'm, I'm 25. And I'm like, you know, mom, this is the time for you to take care of yourself. You've done, you know, good job. Yeah. (laughs) And she spent her life after – in the last several years, like, taking care of her parents. And my grandma died recently. And so mm. I was, like, really the time for you to take care of yourself. And it's, like, a new skill she has to learn. And I'm really watching her
1: yeah. do that. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? And you probably are are being an example to her. I'm really interested right now in how I'm starting to see with my parents the slow – shift from like them fully taking care of me and being my examples to me fully taking care of them and being their examples, you know, like we're, we're not there yet, but like, I really am when I, when I was leaving my husband, my therapist said, um, she's like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of glimpse that you're, uh, mother was actually jealous, maybe a little bit jealous of, of your strength in that situation. And that to me sounded so weird at the time. Like I was like, no, there's no way. And I haven't seen that like exactly, but what I have seen is she is, is starting to do the same thing, like starting to make, stand up for herself a little bit more in her relationship and, um, and starting to care less about what people think of her and all these things that, you know, ideally you're doing in your adolescence and she's doing it in her 50s, yeah. um, but, but better late than never, you know. So, so it is this really interesting kind of shift where now I'm, I not only am thinking like, well, I have to kind of raise myself um, to be the empowered woman that I want to be but then I also like am becoming that example to my mother, which is a really strange <laughs> feeling, uh, but I'm pr- proud and happy to do. But that brings me to another thing that you brought up for me is I I feel like and I say this with, you know, no judgment at all. I just I think that like working on yourself is is so hard, like just trying to become your truest, highest self is such a chore that I often think that sometimes what happens is people either on a conscious level or a subconscious level, um, are often having kids thinking like, well, it's too late for me, but I'm going to rate or not even it's too late for me, but they'll like, they get excited about this, this fresh start almost of this person that they can create that's going to be do way better things that they ever did or like, you know, and that yeah. is one of the, the cool things about kids is that you, they are starting from ideally such a, uh, maybe a more enlightened Fresh. place. Yeah. yeah. than than you know, you were because you right. have all of your life lessons then to like, and you know, to pass down to them. But uh, I do think that sometimes, I've seen that it seems like people are like, well, now I'll put all of that into kids and yes. then you, you get to stop growing or something. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because it's like, just right. have a new one and let them do it. Yeah. that's It's, it's right. tricky to think about it that way, but I, I think it really, there's a lot of truth to that. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's it's in, definitely an intense way to examine that and look at that and i do you think too it might be a generational thing because i think maybe personal growth and working on yourself and and working and maybe it's just us and that we're into that but do you right. think it's maybe in our parents generation it was just more common to have kids and start over like we were saying
1: yeah definitely i mean i really i feel like i'm i'm seeing that for sure and what the trends, you know, my mom said something to me when I was just raving about um, my new job with Real Girl and and how, you know, I'm teaching these girls to be empowered and, and to really put in the, the work to be their highest self and all of this and just like going on and on about it. And she was like, oh, honey, that's all really great. She's like, I just I don't want you to get so focused on yourself that you forget to serve others, which is like, okay, that is, that's great. That's a great reminder. And I do think that like serving others is so important, but that is kind of a glimpse into the frame, the old framework that I was raised with, which mm-hmm. is like you, it's too self-indulgent to be working on yourself or to right. like go, go to therapy or to be when really the, the truth is, is like you, you, like I said, everybody around you benefits. This is what I've found the truth to be. Everyone around you benefits the healthier you are. And, and if you're healthy, you're more likely to, to then be like, okay, I'm set how, you know, obviously there's always growing and things you can work on, but it's like, now how can I serve others? As opposed to, I had a really big epiphany Um, Like about my mom specifically, which is basically exactly what I said, where I was like, oh, she had she had such a hard childhood that I think her serving everybody was deliberately a way to like not directly look at her own. Mm issues. It was like a distraction of like, and it's a it's a you know, as far as distractions go, that's like a, a good one I guess to have. Right. Um, but Coping like
0: mechanisms.
1: Exactly. But it's like that's codependency like to the T, which is like you just are are putting everything into this other person so that you don't have to become a whole person yourself. And it's really hard to um just deprogram all of that. So like I'm right now I'm at this place where I intellectually, I feel like have it down. Like in theory, I understand, um, you know, what it takes to be a healthy, empowered woman in this society for the most part, like obviously not, not, uh, every detail of it, but intellectually I know it, but then I still, I'm battling 25 years of Condition. Yeah, programming and conditioning for the opposite. So I still catch myself, um, you know, just little things that we're always taught, like just saying yes to things that I don't want to do, or, um, you know, putting somebody's feelings com- completely before my own well being. And, you know, all the little ways that we're, we often like train girls specifically to be peacemakers. Um, and I think that that is that goes so well with how I am naturally. That right now I'm really trying to um, to identify what is who I am just naturally and my my personality traits, and what is just what I've been told that I should be as like a polite. Well-natured, like good-natured girl in this society. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense, and I think it kind of speaks back to what you were saying before. When your mom was like, "Don't work on yourself too much and forget to serve others," when really it's you're kind of simultaneously killing two birds with one stone. There, you know, I think yeah. we. If you don't take care of yourself, then you don't have anything. Got to fill up your cup before you can fill up any – it's the oxygen mask thing you were talking about before. And so that's why I think it's so great to – be the example and work on ourselves to do any good work in the world. And that's why I think teaching that exact piece of work to young girls is what really attracted me to you and and your work Mm. in the first place. And I think we need to, like, take a step back and define Mm. real girl and talk about real girl to everyone listening. So I want to know that and how you – how did you first find it and how did you first um, decide to be involved?
1: Yeah. Um. So I – I was really going through all of this, um, once I like moved out here and I kind of had some freedom to, I, you know, I, I had quit my middle school teaching job. job, Yeah. And, um, and I was really in this place of just like redefining myself kind of. And, and that's when I really realized like what I want to work on is how to be a strong individual and, um, and really kind of raise myself the way that I would want to raise a daughter. Yeah. Um, and so I I had just kind of – I, I kind of had that exact sentence, like, in my, my mind. Uh, and I was going to – I still go to a wonderful class here in L.A. called Yoga Booty Ballet. <laughs> um, it's, like, this super fun dance class. And it's, like, this community of women. Sometimes men come, but it's mostly these, these women – that um, really like get really close and like support each other. And um, it's this, it's became one of my first um, kind of communities here in LA. And the instructor, Kristen Huffman is this wonderful, uh, beautiful spirit, and uh, someone who was just really inspiring to me. And she just kind of mentioned in passing that she started doing work with real girl. And that's all she said. And just based on the name, I was like, I know, I was like, man, this, yeah, I was like, this has got to be something There's really something special. To this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I I just searched it. This was last summer. Um, I just like kind of searched it online. And I impl- applied to become an instructor. And it was right before they were doing trainings for um, for the, their summer camps. And I met Anea, who is the woman who created all of this and is really like, she is the lifeblood of, of real girl. Like she does everything. She's not like, it's kind (laughs) of exactly. It's like out of her house. This woman works so hard to make this happen. And we really just hit it off and um, just had a lot of similarities. And um, she, she, you know, she's like, probably like 15 years, 15 or 20 years older than me. So she, um, she was just a really good, this, this kind of role model that I really need needed and still need at this time in my life of like somebody who, um, is a, is similar to me and also completely like self-actualized and has worked through all of the stuff that I'm, I'm trying to work through now. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I started doing camps and then uh um I now I work like at her house with her. It's just me and her. It's so fun to go in every day and we uh you know, we gossip and we check Facebook and we like get some serious work done and then we, you know, go to lunch and and I really I'm really loving it. So, um it just was one of those things where I had been looking for the right thing and um it found, you. it found me and then once i and i had gone down different like slightly you know done a couple like uh applications and interviews for other things and it was like oh yeah it's kind it's kind of like love like when you know yeah. you know <laughs> you know <laughs> um so i feel so fortunate and like it's not a coincidence at all that this is found me at this time in my life um, so, to answer your your yeah. question about what what it is, um, it's basically we do wor- workshops and camps for girls between the ages of eight and sixteen, um, all over the U.S. and in right now in Hong Kong and Guatemala, and um, we're launching in uh, the U.K. We're doing like a soft launch in February. So. It's really expanding, and the foundation of it is based on this appalling statistic that says that um, the average American girl's self-esteem is the highest it will ever be Mm. at age nine, and then it, like, severely plummets short in the years after that, and it never gets to as high as it was at age nine. So that was – It's so heartbreaking. And if, you know, if you're like me, I, after I heard that, I was like, that just seems crazy. And then I thought back to like how I was at age nine. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, I was like, yeah, I was unrecognizable. I like knew what I wanted. I was not afraid to like be in front of people and like, you know, and uh, so it really seems to be the case. So the goal of Real Girl is to catch that tender age you know, uh, slightly before or in the years after. And really before there's been so much conditioning that our society is still doing um, to young girls, we really try to to catch it and and give them um, the tools to be able to decipher for themselves and, and a good foundation of like knowing who they are so that they, they won't kind of like believe in the bullshit basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, you know, an example of we, ha- we do like a big media section. So we have a, um, two modules for that, that are like, uh, the first one is media and body image. So we show them like the dove evolution video. So we show them all these like photoshopping tricks. And we're saying like, look, they, these companies just want to sell ads and so they have to make you believe that you're not good enough unless yeah. you have their product. And like we get them really, it's really fun to watch these girls like 11 and 12 getting really like re- angry. Like angry and they should be, you know. Yeah. It's like they're telling you exactly what you should look like. And if you don't look like this, then you, there's something wrong with you, you know, or uh, so so we do that with body image and then the, um, we do it with gender roles. And then that's addressing like, uh girls don't play sports well or like um you know uh the fair we go through all the fairy tales and and kind of like these patterns of the damsel in distress and why does she need a man to save her why can't she save herself and all this stuff and it's so fun to watch them be like what the heck you know like yes. girls can play girls can play sports i'm good at soccer you know <laughs> yeah um so it's really and it's so it's one of those things that's just like Every time I, I teach it, I not only think, God, how different would my life be if somebody had yeah. told me this at that age? Yeah. And also, like, it still serves as a reminder, things that I still need to hear when I'm, like, you know, catching myself watching Scarlett Johansson on the movie and then, like, yeah. tr- feeling really bad about myself on the way home yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we focus on, on those kinds of things. We focus on creating your own path. Um, we do a whole like, uh, body positive way of teaching them about puberty and like, uh, how their periods are connected to the moon in this really like cool and ancient way. Oh, it's so fun. And then the last day we like, um, we do a presentation of all these like warrior women, these like strong women from like you know, like myths all the way to like Hillary Rodham Clinton and then they make warrior masks and then they learn self-defense. So it's really just like teaching them to be completely self-sufficient and, um, and like not really put up with anybody telling them or defining them, uh, in any specific way.
0: Wow. Yeah, and I love it. (laughs) It's so cool. I mean, I, I read a lot of that on the website and this in my essay, but I was just like, I mean, you said it too. I've been so curious of like, what would high school have been like if I had had these tools that you teach in Real Girl and also that I've taught myself in the last few years of my early 20s because I had to teach myself and right. what it would have been like if how my experience of high school and college would have been so different if I would have known the things that I know now. And I think that's a common thing to think, like, gosh, if if I would have just known what I know now. So to have the opportunity to teach that to girls is just so amazing. I mean, the the piece about body image is like the most close to my heart and I want to talk about that more for sure. But the yeah. the piece about connecting your your period to the moon and I think that that's something that I learned recently in the past mm. like three years that completely changed my life and has helped me so much. And I've had multiple people on the show come on to, to talk about our cycles and, and so the mm. people listening know about that. But that's just something that was never even something I considered when I like got my first period. It was yeah. just like You know, what I learned when I got my first period was, like, how to strategically get my tampon or pad into my pocket so no one saw and, like, get to the bathroom quickly with hiding it and, like, nothing exciting or, like, wow, this is, like, a great feminine thing. It was, like, how can I hide this so no one knows that that I have it at the pool, you know?
1: Totally. Oh, my God. There was such – and it's so interesting because when we do that, um, when we have that day, that part of the camp – we also have, like, a questions portion. And these girls are are often – some of them are really shy, but by that time you've spent enough time together that they're pretty open to answering questions or asking questions. And almost all of them are questions like that. Like, how do I yeah. get my, my tampon from my backpack to my pocket? Or what if my teacher doesn't let me go to the bathroom? Or, like, what if I bleed through? And, like, it's so – it's really – you realize, like, how early on they're trained to be embarrassed about this thing that literally is lifeblood. Like, so one thing that we teach them, and it sounds like I wouldn't be surprised if you also know about this and talk about this, but we teach them that not only, you know, is that the, the material that would nourish a baby if you chose to have one, but it also they're finding they it has stem cells in them so it could be used to like save lives. So we're like this is like magic stuff. Like you know, there, you don't every, not everybody has to be like that artist that paints with menstrual blood. Yeah. But like but like you at the very least don't be ashamed that your body can do this unbelievable magical thing. Um, and Anea the the creator of real girl she has this segment in her book nine ways we're screwing up our girls uh i really recommend it it's an amazing like really like to the point book and it's actually based on the I nine i got it when i applied <laughs> did you oh my god i did too and i i loved it and it's so practical and it's based on the that's the foundation of of real girl is the nine ways uh turns and is addressed by the nine modules that real girl um addresses and uh she just basically writes about how we can't there's no possible way for girls to feel a hundred percent comfortable in their own skin and uh happy and healthy about their body image. If they are taught to think that this thing that their body does once a month is disgusting and shameful and embarrassing, like it's just such a disconnect to being like, how can you teach healthy body image but you're still treating this like it's this dirty little secret, you know? Yeah. And that's something that, again, like like you said, that was just not – even close to being how I, I learned about my period.
0: You no, know? not even close. And I think it's great that you're talking about, like, you know, sexuality and periods and puberty because parents do it sort of, but I think that a lot of times they're uncomfortable or their parents yeah. didn't do it in a great way. And, like, I remember my mom, like, taught me this stuff through an American Girl book that she, like <laughs> – kind of read with me, and it, like, yeah, it was just, like, I remember it, like, I think it had, like, Velcro pubic hair that (laughs) was involved, and, like, yeah, I mean, it, like, meant well, but at the end of the day, there's so many more questions, and I think just talking about periods, like, being able to, like, you can kind of, when you're older with your friends, but it's still almost in, like, a shameful way, and I think recently in my 20s, when I've gotten more into, feminism and spirituality and just different personal growth and just you know understanding myself as a person and maturing. I've been more comfortable with speaking about these things, and so I'm. I'm so glad we're talking about periods right now and saying yeah. the word and talking about this stuff because I think that um, you know destigmatizes it, and the more we do that, the better the world will will create for for girls growing up and and just in general. I think we should. I just think that we should talk about periods a lot more than we do.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And there really is this like um, kind of – so I'm I'm also slowly making my way through this very dense, wonderful book called Women After All um, that's kind of a biological, historical – Physical, like every every kind of um, field of study, it feels like mm-hmm. uh, argument for why our species will be better off if women are at least equal, if not put in a superior position. Yes, I need to read this book. Um, it's so good. I really recommend it. But um, but there really it, a lot of this like hinges on kind of the idea of how ancient women were considered gods because they could bleed for seven days and not die. And because they could literally like hold life in their body and form another person. So like they were the key for reproduction. Yeah. And, um, and so when, uh, like in, in ancient tribes when they would have spiritual gatherings, um, if a woman was on her period, she wasn't allowed to be part of that gathering because they thought she was so powerful. That was like her magical time that she was so powerful that it would intimidate the uh, the gods and the goddesses. Yeah. So that turned into the like early Christian and like Judeo-Christian belief of women aren't allowed in the temples when they're menstruating because they're dirty. <laughs> And it's so crazy how just in the, that it's like time a game of telephone, exactly. It's like a game of telephone and it, and it also kind of women after all would make the argument that it all stems on this like pouch and envy basically, which I think Pete's even talked about on his podcast. You might've heard him mm-hmm. talk about it, but just this idea of like women were so powerful that it became really threatening to men and that there was this like core, envy that they that they couldn't do this magical procreation. Yeah. yeah. That women could do. So then that's that's kind of what kick started the whole um controlling women in all of these various ways that are still occurring in our society um today that are just like basically mind fucks. I'm yeah. Sorry. I, I hope I can say that. No please. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and it's it's crazy to th- it just like just reading that gave me such a completely different framework. And now I'm starting to see all the ways that like it's totally worked just like years and years and years of, of making us believe that, you know, like the periods are gross or that, um, that we have a specific role that just like we can only f- fit into these things. It's biological that you you should be polite and you should put others first and all these things that we're trained and it's like, no, that's that's just something that has been told to us so long that now we believe that, that is, that's just nature instead of nurture. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, dude, it's so crazy. And I'm so glad that we're having conversations like this and people are talking about it. And it's true. I mean, they should be jealous. It's the most creative act that <laughs> that you can do. And I, I was listening to this other podcast um, which you should listen to this episode at least it was it was really cool. She was the host was talking about um when she was pregnant how creative she was in her business and in her life and in and her projects because she literally had these hormones pumping in her doing the most creative act you can do. I yeah. saw this thing on Tumblr the other day that was like a gif of like a pregnant person being like I'm so crafty. I make people, you know, but it, yeah. it really is true. I mean, we were we were designed to do this like such such a beautiful thing. But there's also so much over the years. There's become this shame attached to it. So talking about our periods and talking about our femininity and using our femininity femininity as a superpower is is really i think what real girl is arming young girls to do and at least not shut them down from doing that because we come into the world knowing everything we need to know we just like pick up all this velcro along the way yeah and if we can prevent them from picking up some of that velcro i'm sure they'll still pick up some of it i think that's right. that's where the real juice is That's that's the most totally. helpful thing we can do
1: yeah, totally. I mean, and that's like you know um, one example of that is like we te- when we're teaching the the media and body image stuff, we're saying like, look we're not saying like you're you're going to see these things you're, we're not right. saying don't ever pick up another magazine don't look at these billboards don't watch these movies it's just we're just trying to train you to when you do see those see the like lies that's telling you you yeah. know what i mean like just have the have the ability to discern and to um to really see things as they they truly are not just how you're, you're meant to like fall for it, you know? Um, but yeah, it's really, and we also, I w- I just want to add, um, because I do think this is a cool detail when we, when we are teaching them anything about their bodies, we, we're very careful to say, and it can create a baby if you choose. So like, we're really, I really think that that's such an important thing for me because I was so, because my mom, only ever in her life like her one goal her only goal was to become a mother um and like i've seen how that's played out and what that did to her like during her empty nest time and like uh just that was her only her her only purpose and she really only knew to train me to also believe that. So uh, from an early age, I was like babysitting and and changing diapers and working in the church nursery and like really being groomed to just want to be a mother. And so, um, and then my, my feelings and opinions about that have changed, um, back and forth several times throughout just my twenties even. Um, but, I really think that that's it's important to tell girls like, look, your body can do this, and that's what you should find strength and power in. Whether you choose to do it or not is completely up to you. But it doesn't mean that you're less of a woman if you don't have a baby, or even if like you can't have a baby. It like yeah, there's exactly. that's not that's not the point. The point is is that we were designed for this really cool thing, and you also have a choice to, to participate in that or not, you know?
0: Mm, That's so good. Yeah. And again, I think it, a lot of that is a generational thing. And I think empowering young girls now, and, and I think our generation is a bit more aware of questioning what our parents did. I guess every generation questions what the generation prior to them did. Um, but, and we're just kind of in it now, but but yeah, looking at looking at what how our parents lived their lives without without really judgment just of you know, getting curious about maybe there's another way to see it. And yeah. maybe the things that I thought that I wanted when I was young, I actually only wanted because that's all I saw available for me and that's yeah. all I saw modeled for me and maybe there's maybe I want to prioritize something else before being a mother or or right. not but either way it's my choice.
1: Right, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that there's ideally every generation is is ideally in at least more ways than not getting better than the previous generation. Yeah. So that's essential. You know, like you said, it's, it's so important for me to always think about my parents as like, and and this isn't true for, for every parent. So I'm really grateful that it's true for mine, that they really did the best that they could with what they had. And when I look at my grandparents, I'm, I see how far my parents have come. And that has helped me have like a new well of compassion for them because I'm like, oh, you really like, thank you for at least starting us at this point and not the point that you started, you know? So that's why like above all, I really think the most important thing is that you're just always growing. I think it's so important to not hit pause and not, you know, think like, okay, occasionally you do see people who are, who have just become their parents and you're like, how, how have you taken this any farther? Like, how are you, you're just, you've kind of stayed stagnant. And, um, and I guess that's, that, that that could be judgmental, but for me, the most important thing that I look in for myself and also the people that I surround myself with is that like, there's constant movement forward and like challenging yourself and growing and doing that really, really hard work, even after you've, found somebody that you want to spend your life with, even after you have kids, like you never get out of doing that. You know what yeah. I mean? You have to like always keep trying to be the best self you can be, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and it's so it's so interesting and beautiful to – in our 20s, I think it's the first time that we can look back at our parents as people, you know, and not as, yeah. as our parents and, and look at how it was – for them growing up with our grandparents and, and really understand everything with more clarity. And because, you know, when you're growing up, they're, they're your parents and they're like authority figures and it, it's hard to separate yourself from that. But now that I've gotten separation and I've moved away and I can finally understand, get some, I think distance is really key, at least for me and in, yes. in understanding that. But, you know, going home for the holidays and and being around um, my mom, I and my my family in general, it's it's just it's interesting to just kind of observe it and to just be this looking at it from a, a different lens, and it, it brings up a lot of emotion in how much I've changed and a lot and in a lot of ways, like how much has also stayed the same, and yeah. um, it's just it's fascinating, but it's really easy to be judgmental towards that and i mm-hmm. i really look at that as that's something that i stop myself from doing and being like just being so compassionate and like you said you know everybody's doing the best that they can and mm-hmm. i'm sure that you know in 10 years i'll look back at how i was in my 20s with so much you know yeah. judging probably and i feel like <laughs> we're all like you said with um you know the the older woman that you were talking about earlier how we're always growing and changing. And I've been saying this a lot lately, but I feel like our 20s are like this second adolescence that, you know, nobody really tells you about.
1: Yeah. Just
0: like constantly learning. So like, I feel like I'm going through everything I went through um, when I was younger. Like Tavi Gevinson has this thing where she says that being a teenager is like a cartoon character because (laughs) you're feeling all of these emotions for the first time, which makes them more intense. And then also you add on that all of these extra hormones. Yeah. And um, so that's, again, why I feel like real girl is so amazing. But I feel like I'm still that cartoon and I feel yeah. like feeling all my feel. I just feel a lot of feelings. It's just like how I am. But yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, to really like look back on that and I don't know. I don't know.
1: Oh, my <laughs> gosh. No, you're totally right. I love that. That like I I'm picturing my high school years and I was totally a cartoon. Um, but, but yeah, I really think like, I, I have such a fondness for my twenties, um, because I've changed so much and like, I, and I, I don't know. I just think that like, it feels like every single day I'm learning something new about like, who I am, and like discovering myself still. Like I'm still like getting to know me like somebody that I'm like newly dating, you know? Yes. And I really think that it, it's important, a, a really important shift for me from my high school self to to going through these things in my 20s has been to look at it honestly like that with the same kind of compassion and self-love that I would have for a a new friend or a new boyfriend or something um, of just being like, oh, that made you angry? How interesting, you know, like saying this to myself, like, why, why were you feeling so upset? Like, you know, and really like taking yourself out of it and like you were talking with your parents and just like observing and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and using it as a way to like get to know yourself the the double-edged sword part of constantly growing is that sometimes that can lead to this, this idea of like never being happy where you are or always being so hard on yourself because you don't think that you are where you should be. And I think that that is the quickest way to stunt growth is by being so hard on yourself and critical of yourself that you don't um, you know it just it should just come from a place of of loving yourself that you want to be the best person that you are, not like hating who you are and wanting to change. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's that's been a really big lesson for me is like even when I do things um, that I'm not proud of or when I think back on things that I kind of regret, having the compassion that I would have for my best friend and saying yes. like, look, you're just, you're learning, you're, you're doing, life is hard, you know, like yeah. you're doing the best that you can. And next time you'll do better and just like, let it go, you know, forgive yourself and and move on and, and don't make that mistake again, if you can, you know, like just try not to do it again, you know? Yeah. So, um, but again, that's the kind of self-love that was taught to me that my family still, uh, a lot, I still see a lot in my parents um, that would just be considered completely selfish to give yourself that path. Like, it's selfish if you don't carry your mistakes like like a heavy burden the rest of your life. The guilt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guilt of it. Um,
0: yeah. I love what you said about really getting, it's like what we were talking about earlier about getting to know yourself and then once you get to know yourself you can figure out who you are and then begin to, to like that person. I, I talk a lot about journaling. I wrote a book about journaling and yeah. I I write in there that – and I always recommend, you know, really getting to know yourself through journaling and and then after you – because a lot of times we don't even know what we like or who we are because we've been just in it. Like we've been yeah. in what we've been conditioned, right? Like Like for me, I was so in my – Eating disorder that I didn't know what I liked be- beyond that. You know, it was mm. all like, what do I like beyond green juice and yoga? Yeah. And like, who who am I really? And and actually, it's it's kind of funny that I'm talking to you because I was so obsessed with health and wellness and a very you know, I I think now and we can we can get into this too and, and talk. This usually comes up, but yeah. um, I was so into those things and such a dogmatic way that Mm -hmm. I got to this this unhealthy place and then I turned to personal growth and spirituality as like another really dogmatic unhealthy relationship and then I had to be like wait what do I what do I even like beyond that and I ended up like getting into comedy and listening to yeah. to Pete's podcast and other things and, and really yeah. like figuring out what do I even like? And I learned to play the ukulele and I started to, mm. and that was so important for me to, to figure out. And I think so many people have the same experience, whether it's, you know, with food and body image stuff or with, you know, something else that, that you're going through in your life where you're putting up these masks to the world and you don't really realize who you are, underneath that. And I think, like you said, just questioning that and observing yourself, whether it's through journaling or just self-inquiry in your life, it's just me.
1: Totally. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, I can relate to that so much. Uh, just this idea that like identity is so daunting. Like I remember for me in high school, just the the big theme of that was like who am I, who am I going to choose to be? And what if I choose to be the wrong person? Mm-hmm. Like, and that was, I was so desperately looking for identity in a box, basically. Yeah. Like I, I wanted like, here is your identity kit. It comes with full belief system, wardrobe, um, totally. you know, like snarky remarks or whatever. Like it just comes with everything you'll need to be this exact person. And it's and, protection. It's protection, exactly, because being uniquely you is is a really scary thing. And my brother one time told me, I think I was maybe 21 or 22, and he said, um, More than anybody I've ever, and my brother and I are very close and is he similar. Older or
0: younger?
1: He's older, he's five years older. Just
0: the two of you, or do you have more? Yeah, yeah
1: it's just the two of us. And it's very strange because we're very, very similar in a lot of ways, which usually I feel like siblings do a lot of work to be the opposite of who their their sibling is. Um, But uh, so he, he knows me very well and he's like more than anybody I've ever known you have, you have been more people in your life. Like you've been, oh, wow, yeah. you've had so many different identities in your oh, life. And that's I, so me, <laughs> I know. And what's so funny about that is he told me that when I was like 22 and yeah. married and a Christian and like, like and, and if he only knew like, Oh, in the next four years, I was going to completely change all over again. Um, but, but really like that was when I started to make the change towards, like you said, starting to ask questions about like, instead of trying to subscribe to a certain belief system, just asking like, what do I like? And also giving permission that it's okay if that contradicts whatever else I like. You know, another thing my, my best friend Annie told me, uh, recently was she's like, I was talking about, uh, I think, oh, you know, so I, I've been vegan for the last two years, but then um, we went to the Netherlands, my friend Annie and I, and I just like, we agreed that we were going to just hope that their um, farming situation was better and eat a lot of cheese. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so we did that. And then uh, when I got back, I was like, I told her like, oh my God, I still am eating cheese. Like I can't, once I started, I can't stop. And she was like, you're, you're so full of contradictions in the best way. And it, ge- it makes me feel like I have permission to, to also have contradictions. Like I give myself permission to do that. And, um, and I, what she was really saying, like her saying that was so important to me because it made me realize like, um, like, yeah, you can, you can green light if you're really like, you know, doing yoga booty ballet one day, and then you have another day where you just want to like. You know, day drink and and watch Christmas movies, <laughs> yeah. um, or something. Just like, not that you give into every whim, but you also just don't just don't be so hard on yourself if you are changing your mind about something, or if what you like from one day to the next yeah. is very different. Like Preach. that's what ma- <laughs> that's what makes you uniquely you, which is what we need. We need people to be themselves like uniquely themselves in order for this whole machine to work at its highest function, you know?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, (laughs) I think that that, that's everything. I think how I got into all of this is, is really from my struggles with body image, which has been, um, and I think that it's, it's easy to, to for that to be mine and and many, many people and women, especially because of the society we live in where, you know, we value one body shape and it's a, a thin body shape that is what we see in the media and we we revere and it's not that that's more beautiful than any other body shape it's just what's difficult to attain and Mm -hmm. that's what's rare and and that's what a society tends to look at so looking at it from a sociological perspective it's it's really interesting and I think this health movement that we're in um with veganism and paleo and like whatever yep. all everything it's like so polarizing and so everywhere and a lot of that i think people mask their body image issues as quote health issues right where it's like you know in the 90s it was like you called a spade a spade it was like oh it's you know low fat and whatever whatever but it was like clearly you're doing it for aesthetic reasons to manipulate your size and weight and right. Now a lot of people hide behind their motivations of health really as a way to, you know, mask their wanting to manipulate their body because it's it's a for me at least, I'll speak for myself. I felt like it was so uncool to want to Alter my body, but being healthy was cool and trendy. And yeah. like Jay is a vegan, you know. So right, um, and and U and P and like yeah. everybody. And so it was like cool. Like th- that's that's you know that I can get behind. And I think it's just really important to remember that. We should all create our own diets that work for ourselves. and what I've realized in the in the last few years and, and this is controversial to so many people out there who are still so dogmatic, but I think that we should you know take what we want from all the different religions and craft our own and take the yeah. good stuff and leave the rest. And same thing with diet. Take the good stuff and leave the rest and just yeah. not be so hard on ourselves. And right. and that's what I love about what you were saying and, and relate to so much. And and it, it's cyclical too. Like you were saying, you know, there are days when you want to go to yoga, booty, which Boot I want to – booty ballet, which I want to go to because it sounds really fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> And there are other days where you want to just, like, day drink and watch Netflix in bed, which I also want to do with you because that's really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but,
1: Come to L.A., we'll do both those things. Totally. Amazing. <laughs> but it,
0: but it's pretty – it's it's interesting because I think that's cyclical because I think – and I think it has to do with our periods. You know, I, I worked with this coach um, trying to get my period back after after many years. And mm-hmm. she was um, – she works a lot with cycles and the moon, which you're familiar with with Real girl, and she really speaks about you know, during the different phases of our cycle, there's a phase for um, being in bed when you're bleeding and Mm
1: -hmm. literally
0: taking care of yourself and taking baths, and those that's the time to watch Netflix in bed and not force yourself to do a hard workout. And then there's other times of the month where you're really active and you want to be active, and it's so true, you know, whether you have a period or not or whether you can intellectualize that, we all know that there are times of the month that we are really wanting to be active, and there's other times where we don't, and just trusting that it's a natural cycle and just not being hard on ourselves is so crucial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, I love it. I love all of that. And and really what – a big thing that I learned when I learned the moon cycle um, was that – The whole idea, and this is something that we're so, so intentional about telling the girls, but the whole idea of like women, you know, like being bitches when we, that's not how we phrase it to the girls, but uh, like when we're on our periods is actually because that is a time when your progesterone levels are really high and you just want to chill out and relax. But if you don't know that and you are being forced in a situation where you're having to be with people or you're having to be social or active or all these things, like, you're not giving your body what it needs and your emotions what they need. So, yeah, you're going to be pissy. Like, of course you are. Um, So, like, just really learning that, like, once I started, honestly, as best as I can, I will, like, plan things around – around my cycle like we're having a christmas get together tomorrow because that's when i'm like at the highest levels of my estrogen yes. i mean it's not like that's not why but that this is why we didn't do it last weekend you know yeah. like i'm at the highest level of my estrogen so i'm ready to go and i'm like wanting to see people and all this stuff and and um i'm often as best as i can really tender and and um loving to myself when my progesterone's high and I need to just like relax and be with one person or no people, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that that is, is really important. Just knowing that that goes back to like, just knowing yourself and learning yourself. And honestly, it's so funny because Pete's somebody who really taught me that, uh, just that ability to, to be like, you know what, I'm, he's so reflective, which is, Probably the number one thing that I love about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really saves me a lot of work because he just like knows himself so well. And he'll be like, you know, I'm feeling grumpy. I think it's because I just like got off the phone, you know, with my mom or something. And uh, so I, I do think I'm just going to go ahead and like drink whiskey and watch Mad Men. And it's like, great. That's like such a good practice of self-love is like, uh, again, obviously everything's in, in moderation. And it's, if you're only doing that, then that's an issue. Yeah. And you might, you might want to ask yourself why, but like, but really just like trying to to truly take care of yourself. And I think you you really hit the nail on the head when um when you mentioned that like when basically when did taking care of yourself become do this like dogmatic thing, even if it's like sacrificing yes. your well well being, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: it's so crazy. Like it's so oh, I know. It's it's crazy. And I, I think what you said there about there are some days where you need to, you know, Pete loves Mad Men whiskey. For me, it might be like Mindy Project and like, you know, yeah. <laughs> sweet potatoes dipped in coconut oil or something. But I love it. Whatever it is for you. I think it's having a diverse set of – a diverse tool belt of coping mechanism. Like – diversifying your coping mechanisms you know whether it's sometimes it is taking a bath sometimes it's like warm bath is not going to cut it I need something stronger than that and sometimes (laughs) it is calling a friend but Sometimes it's like, that's the last thing I want to do is speak to another human being right now. So it is like zoning out and watching TV. But I think it's having that unique set of tools that works for you. And knowing that, you know, when you're frustrated or when you're having a bad body image moment or you're frustrated with work or a relationship or something, being able to befriend yourself and turn to yourself in this really loving way is, is so great. And it's so awesome that that's being taught to young people and and to Older people too, like in this conversation we're having right now. Like I basically just learned this stuff, and yeah. and I'm always learning. And, and those and knowing too that those coping mechanisms are constantly going to grow and change as you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they should be growing and changing because that's a sign that you are growing and changing. Yeah. Um, and really, like I, I'm. Sh- this sounds like something that's exactly in line with uh, with everything that you do. But a big um a big shift for me recently has been and again it's like an epiphany which leads to then trying to train yourself to actually stick with this belief system um but like just the idea of diet um and exercise being a way to love myself yeah. better as opposed to what it always was for me and what I think it is for most women which is like not like, not, yeah, not liking your body. So punishing it until it gets, you get the result that you want, which for me was, you know, I'm five one. And so for me, it was always the result that I wanted was never going to be possible anyway, because it was like tall women. (laughs) It's like, but it's, but it just has been this big revelation for me and has made me want to do things like yoga booty ballet or like finding exercising that I, that I enjoy that actually like feeds my spirit as well as my body. And then also doing it as a celebration of my body and like being grateful for, you know, I really do this practice of like when I'm doing yoga or something, or even when I'm not, even when I honestly, because this still happens when I like look in the mirror and and want to go like ugh, I'll like st- I'll try to stop and be like, thank you, you know, legs for taking me everywhere I need to go. Thank you, we, you know, eyes for seeing uh, truth, and thank you mouth for speaking my truth or whatever, you know, just like thanking my body parts and being like th- I have this capable, healthy body. Why am I being so hard on her? Yeah. Like I, I need to give her what's gonna make her the, the healthiest possible, and like do it in celebration and great and gratitude for my body, as opposed to, um, you know, like you said, a punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It's it's so sad and and just heartbreaking how. I have so many women do that and, and all the time and, and every single day. And there's going to be women who are 95 years old still, you know, counting calories and beating their bodies up in this yeah. this unhealthy way. And, and that's the aspect, I think, of, of Real Girl that inspires me the most because that's really my mission is around – body image and creating a healthy relationship with, with food and, and their body. And, you know, yeah. when I have a bad body image day, which is what I call kind of that moment you were you were speaking of, I noticed yeah. that, you know, this happened to me like two days ago. And <laughs> I, I was just, I don't know, I went to this… Um, this bar class at, like, 5 a.m., and and I usually do that, but I just, um, I was, like, running kind of late, and I don't, like, put on makeup or anything because it's freaking f- nighttime, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and I, and so, like, my hair looked a mess, and, like, I think I had, like, a pimple brewing or something, like, I don't know. I just, like, wasn't feeling great about myself, and there's, like, mirrors around, and usually it's, like, pretty dark in there, but I don't know. I was just, like, really looking at myself in the mirror, having that exact moment that you had. And the funny thing is that I actually, because I felt so negative about myself, you would maybe think that I was, like, pushing myself harder and doing more push-ups and, like, doing the movements better. But really, I was just like, this is going so terribly. I just want to get out of here. I was, like, doing everything half-assed, and it was just not Mm -hmm. going well. And I think you can punish yourself all day, but that's not not where the the change – happens or not change but that's not where the gratifying feeling that you you want from it and really like exercise is a big one for me where like I now look at it as a way to work my brain and like the clarity of I feel better after I do it and not from what happens to my body but just that it's it's fun for me. Like I like going because like you said, it's a community and community is so huge. And um, yeah. and I think that that's, that's really, really important to find something. Like I, I read this quote recently. I don't even remember where I saw this, but they're like the best exercise for you is the one that you'll actually do, you know, yeah. and so you have to enjoy oh. it and like it. And it doesn't matter if it's really intense or not intense at all. It just has to be something that you enjoy and – yeah, all of that, and and I was listening. Do you know who Cheryl Strayed is?
1: Yes, Yes. Yeah, I love she's her.
0: Amazing. I was listening to her on um, the long form podcast a couple weeks ago. And she was saying, the, the host was really good. He asked, you know, everything I wanted to know. And he said, he asked her about body image because she writes a lot about body image in her Dear Sugar column. And so he was like, did you ever struggle with body image, especially with when Wilde came out and Reese Witherspoon playing you and being in Hollywood and all of that? And she was like, yeah. She was like, when I was on the red carpet, like I had all of these, these feelings about myself come up, but I would just stop myself and I would be like, Cheryl? You're not allowed to think that. You're, and she would just like – she'd be like, yep, I thought it, but I'm going to just like – I'm not going to let it hold me back. I will still probably have these thoughts about myself. I don't know for how much longer. Maybe I'll like hit 30 and stop, but yeah. I don't know. And I'll probably keep having them for the rest of my life. But now I refuse to let them allow me to like shred or not hide or not be productive or not – you know." Like yeah. you were saying, when we were nine, like show ourselves, and and I think that that was just really helpful for me.
1: Oh, I love that. That is that's so awesome, and it and it does kind of go back to that treating yourself like your best friend thing. Where like if some uh, thoughts that I've had when I was really being hard on myself uh, about my body is like if if somebody were to say the things that I'm saying to myself about a friend of mine, I would like, like tell them to go to hell and be like, you're so wrong. She's beautiful. Like, how could you even say that? So like, why wouldn't I defend myself that way? And sometimes, you you know, you're your own worst critic. So sometimes the person you're defending yourself to is yourself. (laughs) Um, But like, it's just so important to to love yourself in that way because you can't move forward unless you do. Yeah. Yeah. You know. My um, –
0: one of my coaches and healing all this body shit that I've been in, she taught me that the only – and you might know this from, from Real Girl, but the only proven way to improve your body image is exposure therapy. So literally looking at photos of people your size or bigger and – It's better if they're idealized images, so, you know, like plus-size models or or people who, you know, you look up to. And even if you don't like them at first, even if you're like, oh, I don't wanna be like that at first, even if you think thoughts like that, after a while, it helps you because it's easier to find beauty in people outside of ourselves. And then you build that skill, you build that muscle, so then you can do it with yourself. The media really, really lacks. And, you know, there's, there's a few people out there like doing amazing work with like being themselves and and being in the, in the media right now. And I just hope there will be more and more and more of that because it's so damaging to only see one type of person portrayed.
1: Right. Totally. I mean, that is, that's so interesting because the exposure therapy makes perfect sense. And then it's also really scary because you realize that, the exposure that people that girls are getting from a very young age is just this one One specific type of, Mm -hmm. of body. Yeah. That is, that's, you know, that's beautiful too, but it's not even close to the only, like what's beautiful is that we are all so different, you know? um body
0: diversity exists and thank god it does because the world would be so boring if it didn't no
1: of course absolutely like I'm just so yeah I I the big a big like moment for me even when I felt like I was finally you know what all throughout high school I would honestly I have very clear memories of like looking at my naked body in the mirror and crying, like just like weeping at what, because I felt like that was the unveiling time where it was turning. I was seeing like, who, what kind of body am I going to have? I just kept like wondering that. Mm-hmm. And then the more I was like forming and it was becoming what it is, I was like so disappointed because long before I ever knew what kind of body I was going to have, I was being told what kind of body I should have. Yes. So I was already making those comparisons when at a time when it should have been like, Oh my gosh, my hips are getting bigger. Like my, my boobs are developing like times when I should have been so excited about to see what my body was turning into. It was like, Oh no. Are you know, are my thighs just going to keep growing or, you know, just like saying these like hateful been feeling these really hateful things towards my, my own body. So it's, You're battling like what I always have to realize when I, you know, again, because this is a constant work towards trying to, um, to, you know, have a health, the healthiest body image possible, uh, and it doesn't happen every day. And I still find myself at like Hollywood functions or something where it's all just like really tall, skinny model women and feeling very inadequate, I have to just remind myself, like, I love, I'm gonna use the Cheryl Straight, like, you don't get to yeah. feel that way. But then also being like, you're, talk about like exposure. Not only were you being exposed to all these, you know, women that you were comparing yourself to, but also like, I, I the first thoughts that I had about my body were negative. So, like, I also was training myself kind of in a way to, to dislike my body. By looking at it in the mirror and picking out all of the things that I didn't like about it, you know, um, so that's something that I have to just like, I, I really feel like this is making me feel like, oh my god, I need to just like every day kind of in like, a, like an affirmations way just like look at my body and say loving things about it to try and undo all of the years that I did the opposite, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and focusing, on, focusing on the good. You know, finding your worth outside of your physicality. I think yeah. I was so obsessed with my body and, you know, food and weight and all of it because I felt like I was worthless Beyond my body, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had anything to contribute beyond that. So, you know, Brene Brown has this quote where she says, "Creativity is unused creativity is not benign."
1: Ooh, ooh, that gave me goosebumps. Right, goes right in, right? (laughs) Yeah, goes right
0: in. Yeah. Oh my god, it's a good one, and it. Um, I think she actually said that on Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast, which. Oh my god, I
1: haven't I haven't listened to that. Oh yet. my gosh, you have
0: to check it out. It's so good. She I will just did like one season of it, but it's yeah, it's it's top notch. You should listen to it. But I definitely will. Um, defining yourself outside of your body is just key to to help. I know that for me, when I am having a bad body image day, something that helps me shift out of it is doing something creative. You know, if I write that day, or if do something that. I can get my worth in another way, um, and you know maybe that's not the the healthiest way to do it. I think the healthiest way to do it would probably be to find your worth just because
1: you exist. But I'm yeah. not there yet,
0: you know. So I, I do these other things.
1: <laughs> no, no, yeah, absolutely. But I, I, yeah, I think that that is that is a very healthy way to to and reminder that like we're complex people because the reason why you and i feel have and so many women have felt like my worth is in my body is because we're all but being directly told that as women in this culture Yeah. that like that is that is our highest value and and boys have body stuff too but they there isn't that much pressure in like you can only be this you know mm-hmm. whereas uh we are we're told like that's first and then whatever little hobbies you want to have after that, that's totally fine, you know? Um, so I think that that is a beautiful and really important way to combat that kind of training is being like, no, I'm a complex person. I'm not just this outward body. I'm a spirit, I'm a soul, I'm a brain. I like, I, I can do all of these other things, um, that are of value, you know, to society. And um, it made me think of, in Amy Poehler's book, Amy Poehler mentions, she says, I basically came to terms with, the like, not came to terms with, I want to make sure that I get this exactly right. She was like, I realized early on I was just going to be a really funny, plain girl. And I was totally okay with that. Mm -hmm. Like, she, she, and when she says that, you don't get the sense that she's like, actually thinks that she's plain, but she's, like, talking about, like, by, you know, uh, our culture uh, standards, and certainly by, like, Hollywood standards, I might be plain, but, like, who cares? I'm super funny and talented, (laughs) you know, like, and um, another thing, I just watched the documentary Iris, which I also recommend, and it's just about this, like, really uh, hilarious, eccentric, woman in her 90s yes and um I love her and so and at the end she has a quote that's so beautiful where she's like I've never been interested in pretty people because all the pretty people that I know this is like uh, obviously like this blunt like older lady way of saying this but it's so perfect she's like all the pretty people that I know that they only had their looks and then that quickly faded as they aged and now they're left with nothing. So she's like, I learned early on I had to have other traits besides my looks oh, if I so wanted it good. to last. Isn't that so good? So
0: good. And that's why, like, all this body stuff is so fleeting. So it's like, yeah. you know, aging's gonna come. So you might as well learn to love, we might as well all learn to love our bodies as they are because they're yeah. constantly changing. So to mm-hmm. love your body, you know, as you want it to be defeats yeah. the purpose because, yeah, you might get there. Or, like, for me, like, I did get there. And the yeah. really crazy thing is that, like, I want to tell you that I didn't feel the confidence and the love and the acceptance that I thought thinness would bring me, but I did. And the mm-hmm. thing is, it wasn't sustainable. I couldn't stay there. I I couldn't – it wasn't where I was meant to be. Yeah. But I got all of those things because in our society, thin privilege exists and people yeah. are – discriminated on based on the basis of size and weight every single day but do i want to be part of the problem or the solution and i think that's what's really great about you know the people in the media who are being themselves and they aren't manipulating their their bodies to be a way that they don't want to be naturally because Mm. they show other girls and me (laughs) that Mm. that it's okay and that you know as you are is is beautiful thin thick like i think i'm quoting pete right now without even meaning to but he has like a a really amazing bit about this and and please tell him because like he really that actually really helped me a lot like healing my body image issues and my eating disorder where where he talks about um the different body shapes and he says like thick milkshake small milkshake thick milkshake thin milkshake it's all i'm gonna post in the show notes i've already like posted it a bunch because it's like my favorite thing ever but I
1: love it yeah, yeah I, please tell I know him. I will absolutely and interesting little side note that's mm-hmm. the first bit when my mom heard that I was dating a comedian she googled him and that was the first bit that like came up and she <laughs> loved she loved it she was like oh my gosh how amazing
0: <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny because I actually sent it to my mom and she also was like oh my gosh I just so yeah it's the greatest greatest bit
1: I know. I think it's so important. And I, uh, yeah. And that is like truly how he, how he thinks. And I, I always like tell him that I think he's doing such good work just by being vocal about like how he, he likes, he's like attracted to, you know, non, uh, traditionally, uh, attract, like by our standards, attractive women or whatever. So like, he's really like, he's attracted to all kinds of different women and very clear about that. And I think it does, so much, you know, not that that's what you want to base all of your healthy body image on, but, like, it, it helps to hear, oh, like, exactly. a guy saying the opposite of what we are told, you know?
0: Honestly, it's so helpful. Like, it's helped me a lot. And, and also, like, for people listening, since this is a podcast, Val is beautiful, like, completely oh, gorgeous <laughs> by all standards. You know, like, even, like, having a lot of couples in my life and just watching the, the dynamic with really healthy relationships, like you and Pete, and yeah. and just watching that, and to know that, like like he says in the bit, you know, people are attracted to all different types of body shapes, and if someone isn't liking liking what you've got, they're not they're not your person, yeah, and, and that's it, end of story, and and that lesson helped me a ton, and I think. This is the quote I was going to tell you actually from from Mindy's book, her her most recent book. But she says in there, she's like, if you've got it, flaunt it. If you don't got it, flaunt it too. Because if you're not flaunting it, why are you here? And it's the same thing. <laughs> it's like just flaunt whatever you've got because there's someone who's going to like what you're selling. And yeah. um, and oh. at the end of the day, they will like it if you like it. You know, yeah. and we have to – that has to come first. and And that's tough, yeah. you know. It's really hard because – like you were saying, all day long, we're getting the message that fat is bad and thin is good. And we've been getting that that message from the media, from advertising, ever since we were children. You know, think to like Ursula is the only fat character yep. that I can think of in Disney and movies. She, and she's
1: evil. Evil,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, it's so interesting how this stuff gets picked up and, and ingrained from, from such a young age. And so- yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm really glad abs- we're talking about it.
1: Absolutely. And I love that quote. That's so good. And That's it so really good. is like, you know, I think that you have to – so because I am dating somebody who is so clear and vocal about like um, how I'm exactly his type and has been from day one, like, like the first thing – he said to me, he ever texted me was your body is perfect, which is just like an unbelievable thing to say to almost a complete stranger. (laughs) So like, so he's from day one been very like, like I'm convinced he looks at my body and thinks that it is exactly everything that he wants. And that feels unbelievable. And it really gives me this kind of safety to be vulnerable and to, you know, to be open with him that I like, I just don't take for granted, but I wouldn't, that wouldn't be as powerful. Even if you, you yeah. do find, and you should find the person who, who likes what you're selling that then you also have to like, believe it on your own separately yeah. from them. Otherwise you won't be able to receive it at all. And it'll just be kind of a waste. So like, not only is confidence the sexiest thing, and and we've seen that, all the time like often what we think is sexy about somebody is how they look but it's really that they're they're confident in how they look but also you need that confidence to be able to receive that love so that's been really like something that i really have to challenge myself on is not to depend on the gratification that i get from living with somebody who is so attracted to me and not just relying on that to, like, believe that I'm attractive but to also just believe it on my own, you know?
0: Yeah, because on days where you don't feel it, even if he was to tell you, you probably wouldn't feel it. And I kind of ha- – I had that in my last relationship but I so didn't have it myself mm. that I couldn't receive it. And, yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the key. It's you have to have – you really have to have both, but you can't have the one until the the first one comes. You know, yeah, absolutely, the chicken before the egg or whatever.
1: Totally, yeah. It's yeah, you have to love yourself before you can fully receive love, and then you know that doesn't just apply to your body, but it just certainly does <laughs> include that. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. Oh, this is this is so good. There's, um, this is kind of off topic, but I want to share it around body image. I was listening to. Um The most, I think it was the most recent, doesn't matter because this will be out later, but the a podcast of of Pete's, and I think you were there when he was talking about self-love and how I think this is maybe like a um, Ramdas thing, but mm. how when you look at trees, you don't and you can maybe help me with this if you know this better but it really blew my mind and i don't he wasn't saying it in relation to body image but i applied it to body image because it really helped me but when you yeah. look at trees you don't look at them as you know being good or bad you just look at them as trees and mm. then you if you notice you know some trees might be a little bit bent from the wind or mm-hmm. have been you know a little bit more run down but you they're just beautiful and you love them as trees and i think you can really apply that to different bodies because I think comparison I know for me is something that really trips me up when it comes to body image I could be feeling really great about myself but then I'll see someone else and be like oh but I want to be like that or I find that beautiful and comparison is really the thing that in all areas of life but, but oh keeps yeah us stuck. did I get that right I, with the, the yes thing?
1: exactly yeah and and what an interesting way to like because I, I love that too, and I love thinking about that in terms of, of body image. Because the truth is, is every judgment that we make when we we see these bodies are it's inherited or it's taught. It's not actual truth. So it's not like oh that's that's unattractive or that's not you know yeah. like you that's that's all a reaction Society. to what we've been told. And one of the a really powerful moment for me was when I saw. Um, like that video that was kind of going around of the different um like it was I think it I hope I'm getting this right I think it was actually a picture of one woman that was yeah. photoshopped in for different cultures to meet their society their standard of beauty and it was like all these different types of like completely different things that were considered beautiful. Uh, based on the culture that you were raised in. And that's the same thing that helped me with let go of like – my fundamental beliefs in religion is like, oh, if I was in a different culture, I would be a different religion. Right. And it's true with beauty too. Like if I were raised in a different culture, my standards for beauty would be completely different too. And I'd be more concerned about like wow. if my feet were small or if, you know, I've if something i never thought else. of
0: it that way. I've never connected those two, but Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's really just like seeing the trees as they are and, and trying to let go of of all of that stuff that's really, really when you think about it, just very arbitrary. But we put so much weight on it. And it's like that was just something that was told to us. And if we were living somewhere else, it would, they would be telling us something different, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, looking back 100 years ago, you know, the yeah. standard of beauty then was a plumper body shape because that was what was the most difficult to attain and what yeah. cost the most money to attain. And society right. tends to gravitate towards rarity and Mm -hmm. rarity is what takes resources and now you know it costs more money to have the gym membership and have the time to go to the gym and have the you know money Mm -hmm. to buy the green juice or whatever and um and so that's what we value and so just looking at it and and just like you said those two ways are are really helpful and it doesn't and here's the thing though like and this is something i want to ask you like it doesn't mean it's easy you know it's still it's really freaking hard to do it every day so like What are some of your – I guess you've shared like a ton of them already, but, you know, Hmm. what are any ways that you shift out of bad body image or any like self-care tools or rituals that you have?
1: Mm, uh, That's a really good question. I, um, hmm, you know, I really think that um, it can be as simple as like if I'm feeling really like gross about myself. I will Elizabeth Gilbert, you might have heard, uh, suggest this for writing um, to like motivate yourself for writing. But I think that this is really good for, for body image and for motivating yourself for anything. But she's like, "If I'm stumped writing, I will I'll stop. I'll take a shower, like a long shower. I'll do my hair. I'll do my makeup. Yeah. I'll um, like put on a dress. I'll light candles. I'll like set an environment that feels beautiful. And then like, I feel ready. Like you, it's, it's like, you're giving a sense of occasion to whatever you're, you're working on. Yeah. So not that like my combating body image is like, Oh, I just do my hair and makeup. But like, even as simple, and this is so crazy, but like, if I'm feeling bad about my body, sometimes I just put on my favorite red lipstick and it just, it's not that like all of a sudden I feel beautiful. It's that like, uh, I feel like fancy you know? yeah. <laughs> and like, I'll have like, I'll pour like a glass of wine or something, or I'll like, you know, I'll sit on the porch and like try to notice the beauty around me. Because really, if you want to get real Ram Dassy about it, we're just like to our core we're reflections of the universe Ram Dassi. so <laughs> Ram Jessie uh so if you're so i found that like surrounding myself with with beauty and noticing the beauty or not even surrounding myself with beauty but just noticing the beauty that is around me yeah. will kind of help me get into like a more beautiful place where i'm not being so critical about myself Um, so yeah, that's definitely one trick is just straight up red lipstick, even if nobody else is seeing you. (laughs) No,
0: that's, that's so cool. And, and like what you were saying about the, the Ram Dassi piece is that like, I, I totally get that. And I didn't even, I, the way I articulate it is as deep, but I just kind of am like, well, if I look bad, I don't have to look at myself because I am actually just a pair of eyes. And, I, you know, yeah. like on days when like my hair is greasy or like yeah. I don't feel good in my outfit or whatever, like I'm like, well, you know, sucks <laughs> for everyone else. But I don't have to look at that. Like I get to just – Observe the world and be part of the world, and you know that yeah. that's not easy no. at all. And I'm kind of I can kind of see through that and be like, well, you know, if I get my picture taken, it's going to sting. Like, <laughs> right. There are mirrors, you know. Yeah,
1: but but the, it yeah, helps. yeah, totally. And the truth is, is that it's like you know sometimes the f- theoretical truths that we you know like exactly everything that we've been saying when like the um, what is that term? The pavement, when the rubber hits the road, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, sometimes that's just like not going to cut it in practice. And you actually like have to see something a a little bit, like find shortcuts for your brain to accept that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just have to like do lipstick. Yeah. Put on the lipstick, just trick it for a second and just be like, look, just to kind of pull yourself out of that, that pit of like, Um, distorted reality, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I know, too, that, like, style – and Amy Schumer has has been talking about this, I think, a little bit, and she, like, collaborated with her stylist from – um, train wreck about you know using your your style and, and like what Elizabeth Gilbert was saying to make yourself feel better about what you're what you're wearing and and I know for me that I have to have like and I, I ask people this the same question all the time and so because it helps me self, very selfishly and and someone who came on the show recently said said a similar thing where she was like you know I think you should always have at least one outfit or a dress or something that you can put on and you just know feels good in your body no matter yeah. what. Yeah. And that's so helpful for me is just to have that like cuz you know how when you're trying to like put together a new outfit and you have to try it on like I um, you try on like a million different things and you're just like ugh nothing feels okay on me right yeah. now. Yeah. And so having yeah. that one like go-to thing is really helpful. And it really just speaks to what Elizabeth Gilbert was saying and and yeah. and you know, big, ma- which can we just speak about how amazing big magic? Oh my was?
1: gosh. Ugh, it was like so challenging and inspiring. So like every time you're like, this is, this is really challenging. I need to like close this book right now and, and write something or whatever. Yes. You're like, it, it was also like giving you exactly the right dose of it inspiration to be like, and I want to, I you know, know?
0: I know. I just love how she delivers every piece of wisdom that she delivers because she does it with so much, um, ease and realness. And she's also so gentle. I just, I connect with her, her so much. And I'm so grateful that she exists.
1: (laughs) I know me too. And she also, for me is, is like a voice. And especially in that book, she was like, she had such a gentle delivery, but was also the voice of like girl you got to be disciplined yes. <laughs> yeah you know like and i was like that is exactly what i like need to hear and i just I feel like I should read that book every morning to, like, <laughs> have a better day. Like, I wish I could just read super fast so I could just remind myself of everything in that book and and it'll make me more productive each day.
0: <laughs> I know. There were so many nuggets from that that I took away. Like, the one piece about, you know, not forcing her art to support her – and yeah. like the piece that you mentioned about finding your routines and discipline and, and actually doing the work. And then and then recently did you see she posted a, a talk that she gave with Oprah about passion?
1: No. Oh I my mean gosh. I I think I heard about that, but I didn't see the post.
0: I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you like yeah. right after this. But basically she's it it was in the book, but she's speaking out against passion. And I think for me it was so easy for me to look at Um, people like her who've always known that she wanted to be a writer or or even like like P and a lot of comedians where like they develop their craft and they work on it and work on it and I, I recently like interviewed another comedian um who was like so cool and I respected so much, and I was like, "Wow, she's known since college that this is what she's wanted do- to do, and she's developed this craft." And I'm like bopping around, like <laughs> jack of all trades, master of none over here. But mm. really, it's like, oh, we're, we're all different. We're all all on our own path, and that element just really, really helped me too. It's, it's oh so my good.
1: gosh, that you really are speaking to to something so. Um, so true for me too. Like I just, and it's, it's constantly something that I, I still am really battling is that like, I live with somebody who not only has known, always known basically what he wanted to do. I mean, it was like a youth pastor, but that was really just, um, mm-hmm. just a, a, a way of being a comedian in the setting that he understood but he also like has truly made his dreams come true like yeah. he he has really he like worked hard and every he's always got like three different things that are like progressing and really exciting and moving forward and it's and it's so inspiring to see but it also occasionally will make me be like what am I doing? Like I don't. What are my interests even? Me too. You know?
0: I mean, I basically live with him too because I listen
1: yeah. him a lot. It's true. It's totally true. So and you know. The, yeah, it's
0: had the same effect on me, to be honest. Yeah.
1: No, it is. It's like it can be so inspiring, but then you feel. And I remember, I I started feeling that so early on with my brother because he was always a really talented musician, and so was my dad. And, um, and I just like, didn't know what I wanted. Like I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't found that thing that, um, that like makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and that you want to work towards to get better. And, um, and honestly, I still like, I, I, you know, I dabble with things, but like, I still wouldn't say that I have like one form of creativity that I'm like, this is my thing. Like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what my future is in, you know, all of this. But that's what I love about. Yeah. Like you were saying about Elizabeth Gilbert and big magic is she's like, it's very much just promoting creative living. And some days that might, I also play the ukulele. um, So some days that might just be like playing the ukulele or like doing a watercolor or, you know, like trying and just trying to find the thing that like puts you in that sacred space. And then just being okay if it also never becomes anything. Like if you, it becomes anything in terms of, like making you money, it still is something that exists in the world, you know, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, that was just, that really flipped my whole idea of it, like on its head and, and does kind of take the pressure off. Like, if you're doing something creative, then you're already doing the thing. Yep. You don't have to wait for that thing to become published or for you know to have a hundred thousand followers or something like. You're if you're being creative and in existing in that space, you're already doing it. Yes. <laughs> you
0: know? Oh, I know. That that really blew my mind. I'm gonna send you this talk and I think it a little it might have been slightly repetitive from the book, but it was so her delivery was just so amazing too. But basically Uh, she was saying she was speaking out against passion and saying, forget about passion, just follow creativity instead of following or following curiosity. Not creativity. Follow curiosity rather than follow your passion. Because some people like You know, her and Pete have a passion. Great. Good for them. For me, I don't. I have lots of little passions and I have lots of curiosities to follow and maybe one will turn into a passion. Maybe not, but, you know, I'm not going to not try my curiosities because it's not a passion, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I I love that. I think that's so important and like especially important in your 20s, but also important – for everybody for your whole life because you should be harboring curiosity in order to like continue to grow and learn. But I think the reason why I said, especially in your twenties, I think it's so common for people in their twenties to really just be like wandering around being newly an adult, having no idea what they want to do, trying to just like make it financially. So not even really feeling like they have the liberty to explore what they want to do and just getting so frustrated with every year that they get closer to 30 thinking that that's like some kind of end point like definitely by 30 I should have these things and be this way and know exactly who I want and it's like that that is those are just like roadblocks and I'm really preaching to myself here because this is something that I really need to always hear it's like those are just roadblocks. Like be just, just be curious. Exactly what you're saying, and be creative. And it doesn't matter if that looks like anybody else's journey, and it doesn't matter if it. Don't be looking for like what that's going to result in, or what the five-year plan is for that, or what whatever it is. Just like, do your thing, chicken wing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, and well, not or. And it goes back to being present, you know? I think yeah. that's that's the whole thing, and it's also the hardest thing, at least for me. Like, being present is everything. All yeah. the good stuff only can happen in the present moment, but it's also right. so hard. It's so hard to not be focused on what you want to be doing or what you, you know, think you should be doing or feeling like you're not doing enough, it's, it's, yeah. it's intense, man, but totally. it's, it's everything. And yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I know it really is the answer to everything. I, I find myself in multiple conversations about completely different topics being like, oh yeah, I guess you just have to be present. I know.
0: <laughs> and every time that that's the answer, I'm kind of like, God damn
1: it. Annoyed. I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. I have I to do know. that. <laughs> I
0: know. It's so good that like, um, well, I'm sure you listened to the Josh Radner episode. Yes, But he, of course. I think it was in that, or maybe he said this in, like, another talk. I don't know. Whatever. He, he, said, he has this quote where he says that nostalgia is not being present the first time you were there. And isn't that good isn't that a good one too? Yeah. I knew that's you'd good. love that. And and he was like, when I heard that, I was like, Oh my god, that makes sense. Cause I'm constant I'm like the most nostalgic person ever. I'm like all up on Time Hop, that app, you know? Yeah and I'm like looking at my like Facebook what 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 was I doing a year ago? And it's like I wasn't being present. That's what I was doing. If I'm yeah. missing it now, you know? Yeah. And so I'm really trying to be like use that as a wake up call and be like, maybe I should just be present. And grateful here, and and not so worried about you know the future or how I'm sounding or you know what I did earlier, whatever.
1: You know, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. What a what an important like way to look at that. That's so true. I, and I'm even thinking what first came to mind was. Uh, Pete and I just went to this Ram Dass retreat. That's where all those podcasts were coming from and it was amazing and such a, like a beautiful, powerful, like emotional experience, but also just like swimming in the ocean every day. And tell me everything. It was, it was so wonderful. And then it was the, my favorite part was that it was like a summer camp basically where like nobody had their phones you would be walking from the ocean back to your room and see your friend and be like, Hey, do you want to meet for dinner so in 30 minutes? And, you know? Yeah. And, um, so it was like, had this beautiful community, but all of that is to say that like, we were so, so present the whole time that like when we were leaving, we were, it was really hard to say goodbye to everybody. And that, that part was sad, but like, once we were heading home, we we're like, I'm both of us remarked on like how we were surprised that we weren't sadder and that we weren't like thinking that we were going to miss it so much, but it just felt like a complete experience Yeah, because we had been present and we really soaked it all up and we like got all that good nectar out of it and then felt like, okay, we did that, you know, we're complete. Yeah. So if we hadn't been doing that, I'm sure it would have been way harder to, transition back to real life, you know? Huh, yeah,
0: that that's like Josh Radner's quote about nostalgia in action.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it made me think of. I was like, oh, that's why we weren't nostalgic about that is yeah. because we were just present the entire time.
0: Yeah, that's pretty funny. And And you're so right. There's something to the fact of like we were talking about earlier with community. I think community is the most important thing that we all need as humans. Like I often wish on the regular that I just lived in a commune with, with all oh. the, the people that I loved and needed around me and did the same thing every day. And, and just like you were describing, which I guess oh is, God. is that Ram dust retreat. Maybe I just need to go live there.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I do recommend it, but, but yeah, that's even, that is like that's once a year and I, but you're, you're really preaching to the choir. That is my, Pete and I call it the farm dream, and it's, like, we we live on, like, a farm that, and, you know, all of our loved ones have separate houses on the same yeah. land, and we, like, do retreats and festivals and, uh, you know, and, like, just work on the farm, and that's, like, yeah. that is my number one <laughs> dream, yeah. so, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but but, yeah, it's all craving that community, it's, it's, yeah. like, Remembering that we need each other, that we're all part of the same thing, and just like it's kind of a response, I think, to all these ways that we have made ourselves, you know, isolated mm-hmm. and just being, and separate like, and separate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's it's us just trying to get back to our natural state. You know.
0: Yeah. I think um, that's why a lot of people, and myself included, are, are nostalgic for, for college or for camp or for, mm-hmm. you know, times when we've had that. And, yeah. um, you know, I think, too, in our 20s, it's the first time that you're away from that because right. – and that's why it's so scary and, and you have to – because you're away from it and you have to go and create it for yourself wherever you live. And, yeah. and again, it's, it's a challenge and you have to figure it out and, and keep – and th- maybe that's why people – you know, want get codependent in relationships because they're craving. This is all tying together. Very nice, Val. Yeah, it
1: is. It totally <laughs> is. Bringing it back around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think people are are putting on their romantic relationships the pressure of Keep of really what like a village should be doing. Yeah,
0: it takes a village.
1: Takes a village. Uh.
0: <laughs> So good. We were right. You really get to the juice of the conversation a while in.
1: Yeah. He's onto
0: something with that.
1: Yep. I think he might be knowing he knows what he's doing with that. Yeah, he knows what's (laughs) up. He's done he's done a podcast or two. Yeah, he knows.
0: (laughs) Um all right, well, do you want to wrap with some quick fire questions? They're really fun.
1: Sure, sounds good.
0: Okay, so what is your favorite color? Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Some of them are longer, but you'll, you'll get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, my favorite color is yellow, but like a mustard yellow, like a golden, Ooh, you know, very gold yellow.
0: I love that color too, and I love <laughs> chartreuse.
1: Oh, yeah. Chartreuse is a great color. <laughs> great
0: word. Great color. I like the sound of it. I like the yeah. look of it. Everything like
1: about it. Everything it's about, I'm into it. Yeah,
0: same. Favorite day of the week?
1: Ooh. Uh, it used to be Thursdays because that's, that's when that's when Friends came on. <gasps> yes.
0: Oh, that was a fantastic TV night.
1: Um, yeah, it was just like the best – the best night. I'm gonna say it's still Thursday because that's the last time I've thought of that. and it, yeah, i'm I'm, gonna, I'm I'm committed to Thursdays.
0: What does your morning routine look like? What are maybe the first few things when you do when you wake up
1: in the morning and how does that affect how
0: the rest of your day goes?
1: Mm, I love that question. I have only recently found that it is that's it ugh, it's really important for me to have a morning routine uh, I've struggled with waking up my entire life. Like it's been the hardest thing. I get so like grumpy when an alarm wakes me up. Um, so having a routine where I'm being really gentle and easing myself into the morning is, has been essential. So, um, so okay. I, I get out of bed, I wash my face. Um, I'll, I'll usually brush my teeth (laughs) and then I, um, just like get, kind of ready for the day. It's usually very minimal in the morning. Um and so like I'll I'll like if I take a shower it's a really quick one. Usually I'm just like kind of getting dressed and putting on a hat. And then um my favorite thing that I do is usually by the time I wake up, my dog Brody, who is the cutest creature ever in existence, <laughs> um is like patiently waiting by the door cuz he knows that the walk is coming. A bruin. <laughs> yeah, it's a bruin. <laughs> So then, um, I, well, I would say it, but I say, the I would say it, but he's right here and he'll get really excited. But I basically say, okay, baby roadie. in like this really excited way. Aww. And then he starts like jumping all around the house. And so, uh, we go and walk to this coffee, the same coffee place that like everybody knows me now. Cause we do this every morning, Aww. um, and like we just have our little morning walk our street the street that we live on is so beautiful there's so many trees and there's a daycare across the street so you see kids playing and oh. i always see my neighbor riding a it's bike like a it's like yeah it's a community and it just like instantly kind of gently takes me out of sleep into this like safe like womb basically <laughs> yeah. of community and um, and by the time i get like, it's not even the coffee that makes me feel awake. It's like the walk to the coffee. And by the time I get home, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the day now. (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh, that's so good. And then it just made me think of this, but I think I know why we like friends so much It's it's because of that community. I always, I always still to this day, I don't really have it in that same way, but I, I having, you know, people living across the hall and Central Perk downstairs and
1: who am I going to hang out
0: with? Like, it's always them, you know? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And in fact, really quick, um, I, I had that in, in the, um, community that I grew up in basically not always, but, but definitely in my twenties, I, I was living with like, I lived with five of my guy friends for a couple years, and then I was living with my girlfriend. Like, I always lived with multiple friends. And um, and then also because it's such a small town, everybody's really, really – everybody is friends with each other, which makes a big difference. So everyone – it's like this very tight-knit friend group, which I – totally loved and felt a part of and, and was so essential to my development and that was probably the hardest adjustment to moving to LA even though I'm still in contact with those people it's still like oh now I'm you know like I, I do, we do have a community of friends here but they're it's not that same thing of just like everybody lives within like a walking distance and like we all hang out every night
0: you know. Yeah no I, I totally know what you mean like I studied abroad in college and we had only 11 people in our in our group but we all got it was like magic like every single oh. one of us didn't know each other before and got along amazingly and we Love were it. all super you know we were able to it was cool because it wasn't like camp where you'd like hang out with them and then you'd all go live somewhere else when we came back we had like two more years of school together and (laughs) it was the most amazing thing ever it was it really did feel like friends and we all are very nostalgic for that time because it was the same thing it was being around people who every day you know we didn't even have any like real responsibilities or or like life yeah. stuff while we were there we didn't have to work we were just there traveling and, and yeah. together and, and it was just this like beautiful experience and so same same thing I think anybody looks back so fondly on the times where you were like living in community with a bunch of people and yeah that's that's what we all crave and you have to just like build and I'm again like speaking to myself as well as yeah. everyone but yeah. you have to build that wherever you go and and move to and it it can be challenging and out of your comfort zone but it's so worth it I think and I'm yeah. trying to do it as we're speaking so
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think just like uh, like I've had to understand that there are going to be windows of my time and of time in my life where that might not be exactly uh, happening, but like I should, that's the goal. I know exactly what it looks like. And I'm just going to like, if, even if it means like having, you know, lunches with people that I think I could connect with or just trying to like find your tribe, basically. It's so important.
0: Yeah. And I think the internet is great for doing that. And I feel like but yeah. there's something to be said for those people that you can actually like snuggle and cuddle and mm-hmm. bring you soup when you're sick. And it's important yeah. to have both.
1: Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so the other end of that question, what are your evening routines? What are the last few things you do at the end of the day to wind down and relax?
1: Oh, I love it. Um, Well, we are like a classic, like boring couple mode where pretty much every night ends with like just me and Pete and Brody watching Netflix and – trying not to snack too much and um and uh usually I'm I'm like uh knitting or uh you know doing something a little bit with my hands that will keep me from snacking but um but sometimes I'm just snacking like yesterday we were we were watching TV uh and like winding down and we got this big gift basket delivered and we were like uh-oh and we just like uh-huh. broke, broke it into it so much. <laughs> it's it's like half gone now <laughs> so tonight will probably be the other half of Amazing. the basket
0: <laughs> oh my gosh okay well I have some questions on what you're watching but we'll get to those in a moment so okay. let's keep going let's bust through these quick fires. so what's your favorite vegetable
1: Ooh, uh, My favorite vegetable, I know this is a weird one, but it's onion. I love onions and what? everything.
0: Because I, I picture onion is not an alone vegetable. Like, it's, it's not. not it's I a, know. Yeah. It's a definitely – it's just like you. You need to be in community. Onions <laughs> need to be in community. That's
1: exactly <laughs> true. I'm the onion.
0: <laughs> you are the onion. That's so yeah. funny. A favorite fruit?
1: Pineapple. Mm.
0: What's the best meal you've eaten recently?
1: Mm. Ooh, that's, you know, I'm going to say
0: the snacks, snack the, snack,
1: the, the gift basket. <laughs> um, we, all of the meals that we had on the retreat that we just went to were so good. And it was like basically some kind of rice and then something you put over that rice. And I realized like, Oh, that's what I'm always looking for is yeah. either just like quinoa with some kind of like yep. vegetable. Yep, or like a rice with like a curry over it. I just want rice and I want, or like a grain and then I want something
0: that's all I want all day long and I want it in a high rimmed bowl and I want it warm.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yep. That's That's it. That's all I I ever want.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Especially where I live because it's so cold.
1: Oh, I bet. Yeah. I, it's not even cold in LA and I'm still like, Treating it like I'm using it as an excuse to just eat a bunch of comfort foods because I'm like, it's winter. <laughs> no,
0: no, I think it's it's true. Like, t- there's something to definitely be said for eating with the seasons, regardless of where you live. But also, um, do you know Janine Roth? Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, you would love her. She wrote this book called Women, Food, and God that I think you would really like. It's about like mm. emotionally eating. And, anyways, it's good. But she, there's this part in the book where she says that your brain doesn't register you having eaten a meal unless it's warm which I was, like, really into raw food when I, like, read that. So I was like, what? But it really is true for me that even if – like, I love raw foods as much as the next guy and, like – but I feel definitely way more satisfied and better when I have something warm or even if I have, like, a tea with, like, my raw whatever. Uh, Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that might be interesting.
1: Totally. That's really fascinating to me because I – like Pete feels really good when he eats raw and is like, that's like his jam all day long when he's like being, you know, at his healthiest. Mm -hmm. And I did the raw thing for the better part of a year and was just like, this is not worth it to me. And I, I like, I get that it makes, sometimes it would make me feel really good, but sometimes I'm like, I would feel just as good if I was eating like, you know what we were sauteed about. kale right, <laughs> yeah right. over quinoa ke- cool. exactly and well, i would be so much happier it's like we were saying before
0: that diet really depends on on each person and our digestion is really different so like pete's digestion is probably really different from yours right and yeah. um i think too it, it's it's a female thing i think we need more more substance to like produce blood every month and yeah. you know and i think we need um we need warm warm foods maybe for that and then, and then also too, like I think I've heard that that kale it, it's easier to digest when it's cooked, and a lot of things are easier to digest when when they're cooked. So that might be part of it too. But
1: totally, I yeah, don't know. yeah, that's interesting. That's good yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's definitely interesting. What's your favorite part of your life right now?
1: Ooh, that is. Oh, I love that question, um, and really hard right now because. I just feel like I'm living in this dream that I can't, I can't even believe that my life is uh, real right now. Um, My favorite part of my life right now, I think I'm going to say is sitting on the porch with Pete and Brody every day. Like we just, at some point in the day, we always, I'm going to go and do it as soon as we're done with this. Like we always, the three of us just sit on our porch and we have these trees that we look at and we like laugh and we talk or we don't talk and it it's just my favorite it's like always the moment when i stop and i'm like damn this life is good oh my god <laughs> you
0: know i can feel that i just feel like you guys have so much fun together
1: mm, yeah we really do it's it's we always like our favorite thing to say right now is wow it's really fun to be in love with your best friend like oh. it's just it just feels like a sleepover every day
0: <laughs> why am i tearing up that's uh, I just'm <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. He's no, no, hanging no. out. No, I love it. Hush. It's, no, it's so great. but um, what are you most curious about in your life right now?
1: Mm. Um, I would say i'm I'm most curious, just in general about like uh, learning the most that I can about like feminist theory. Um, that's something that I just, like I said, I, I feel like I never learned and I'm having to teach myself. So that's like what all the books I'm reading about are. And, um, and I'm, I really feel like that's, uh, that's a specific and important passion of mine at this, at this stage. So yeah, I would say women's issues, feminist theory, all of that. (laughs)
0: Same actually. Yeah. Exactly. When do you, when and where do you hear your intuition the loudest?
1: Mm. Ooh, that's good. I think when it comes to in any situation where I'm having to um love, kind of like, I guess love someone else, um, like a friend, or like being there for a friend, or being there for Pete, or showing somebody love, I feel like um it's something that I really just have to like go inward and be like, this is what does this person need? You like you have everything that you need to to be able to extend love to this person. Um, and oftentimes I, we did this really good exercise. Sorry, I'm not giving very quick fire answers. No, no, no.
0: I love it. I just, I could talk to you all night, but I don't want to take you away from your porch time. No, no, no.
1: Um, but anyway, we did this really incredible exercise at the retreat where we had to look at each other at, like you partnered up and you looked at each other and you said, and it was actually a listening exercise, but the prompt was, I could love others better if I, you know, and then you answered that question. And I said, I could love others better if I didn't care so much about what they thought of me. Yes. So I think that's a time when I really just, um, because so often I'm, I'm worried about like, what do they want me to say? How, how am I going to like, re- how can I be the best uh, how can they kind of see me as like a very good friend, you know? And it's it, it becomes about you when really yeah. you just like it's like don't doubt yourself. This is the the most ancient thing that we've done as a species is like be there and support each other. So just like trust your intuition and and love the way that comes natural.
0: Val, and, you want to know something vulnerable and strange. Yeah, I. Always. Uh, yeah, who doesn't when you <laughs> preface it with that? No, yeah. I mean, I, during like the beginning, I mean, we've been talking for like upwards of like two hours at this point. <laughs> But like I was so in my head at the beginning because I was so excited to talk to you that I feel like I was blaming it on us getting to the juice because oh it just like we were saying what Pete says about oh it just takes like a half an hour but really it was me being so like self-aware during the beginning of the interview and then like halfway through I was like oh I forgot who I was like I knew I was talking <laughs> to you but I, for- I was so yeah. in the conversation I was so present that oh. it all like dissipated and, and goes away. Isn't that funny how that happens?
1: Oh, totally. And really, and like, that is such a generous thing to share, because that's just true with everybody. And I think in every conversation, really, like, it's not even a conversation about, like, who you're having, or the fact that this is like recorded or whatever, we're just always, I feel like so aware of how other people are perceiving us, that it can really hinder um, the, the true connection that we can have with people, you know?
0: Yeah, I think as soon as you're aware of yourself and how people are perceiving you, you're taken out of the present moment and it's kind of ruined.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's so important.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so good. Okay, so you're having a dinner party and you can invite five people. What would you make? Who would you invite? And what do you hope someone turns and asks you at the party? And what do you hope that someone doesn't ask you that you just don't feel like talking about?
1: Ooh. Oh, this is so good. Is it like anybody throughout history or yeah. like people that are, oh, I mean, that yeah. broadens it. Um, okay. I'm going to just try to like answer and not think about, overthink about yeah. my party. Uh, so you five. Can always,
0: you can always come back and answer. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you. Um, five people. Okay. So I would say Definitely, Lena Dunham is there. She is first. She's the first person there, and she she's brought me books to to (laughs) read. Yes, Yes. Um, Lammy, the
0: whole gang.
1: Yeah, Lammy's there. The the whole gang. Um, So I would say uh, Lena Dunham. um, I know it's lame, but I'm gonna say uh, my brother because I just I love hanging out with him and I miss him. (laughs) Um, Who Beyonce, <laughs> oh, done. Oh my
0: gosh, I'm gonna need to like sneak a ticket and be the sixth in the <laughs> yeah, dinner party because it's getting good.
1: Um, uh, I guess Taylor Swift because then Lena and Taylor Swift know each other. Yeah, that's a good and, dynamic. Like, and I think and, she
0: knows Beyonce. Too.
1: And she knows Beyonce, yeah. So I'm getting, I'm making kind of an intimidating crowd. Yeah. <laughs> um, good thing my brother's there yeah so okay let's see brother lena beyonce so i get one more uh pete i would have Pete be there um yeah so and then i would make um last year i made a really good vegan friendsgiving like feast oh, that's, that's the best. and it's my it was like it was my favorite food i had ever eaten and i was like so surprised and proud that it turned out yeah. um so that was like a vegetable pot pie and like a, a sweet potato mash thing oh, and um, green bean casserole, like vegan green bean casserole. So I think I would make that for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, what was it? What do I hope somebody asks me? Exactly. And what do I hope somebody doesn't? Yep. Um I'll start with doesn't first. I hope, uh, I wouldn't want somebody to ask me what I do. I Like that's that's a little bit. Different now uh, that I have real girl, but there was a period of time where I was really just trying to figure out what I was doing, and I and it, people would always ask me like, "What do you do?" Which is such an innocent and normal question to ask somebody, but it would give me such anxiety. Because I didn't want it to look like I was just like a freeloader and was just like I don't do anything. I just live with Pete and what you know. Like I was like I have interests. I you know like I paint. Yeah. I write. I you know. Uh, That's but like yeah, what we were talking about
0: with the Elizabeth Gilbert thing about curiosity and yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. So I I wouldn't want somebody to ask me that even though I have Real Girl and I'm proud of it. I I still feel um, it's your work. Like- yeah, exactly. It's so vulnerable, and that's the question that I'm most likely to feel like I have to defend somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't like that question right now. <laughs> and what do I hope somebody um, Ooh, that's really. I hope somebody asks me when does the dance party start. Yes. <laughs> because i'm always hoping that our parties will turn into dance parties cuz they used to all the time when i uh, in back in my hometown but they they haven't so far so we'll see Beyonce would just do a live performance and we could all dance to it oh my god i am just
0: visualizing this right now and i'm like i'm like shaking i'm so
1: excited <laughs> i love it let's make I'm it having happen. a physical reaction i know oh
0: my god a dream so good okay What is um, a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? It's such a cliche question, but I love it.
1: Oh, I love it. And I think it's so important. I think it's a question that we should constantly be asking ourselves. In fact, Amy Puller again, in her book, says something about um, doing that, like what she would – what advice she'd give to her younger self and then what her 90-year-old self what advice she would give her current self, which I think is really important. I should add that. Yeah, it's good. So I would give the advice I would say is, um, I think just, just kind of everything that we've been talking about, but just, I would say, don't be afraid to explore who you uniquely are. Don't feel pressure to be any one thing. Just focus all your energies on figuring out what it is that you like and what it is that you don't like and what makes you feel alive and what feels like it's sucking your spirits and and gauge your path purely based on that. Mm. Um, I wish that somebody had told me that as opposed to having kind of already a set out I'm such a pleaser that I had this format already kind of laid out for me of how my life should go, but I really wanted to to please everybody and do that. And I don't regret those experiences because they were very valuable in a lot of ways, but it I it led to me at age 25 having to just like hit the brakes and turn the car all the way around and kind of start from scratch. So um, So yeah, I would say just don't be afraid to be uniquely you
0: mm, so good i love that so <laughs> it's <a> good thanks <laughs> this is another this is a fun one um you're trapped on an island and you can only bring with you one tv show to binge watch one book to read that you really like one movie and one food that you wouldn't get
1: sick of go Ooh, whoo. okay show is girls a hundred percent I I already binge watch it and I have other things that I could watch <laughs> <laughs> um a uh, book I think book would be little women little women uh, that's like something that I that's one of Solid. the few books that I just like reread over and over and it just it's like a world that I want to exist in um, and so Movie, Uh, movie, Movie. ooh! I'm gonna go with an unexpected answer. This isn't this isn't my favorite movie, I would say, but it's the movie that I would want to watch uh, over and over and in this situation. And I'm gonna go with Step Brothers. (laughs) Oh, nice! Uh, Just because that's like the movie that I watch when I really just want like to be reminded of silliness. Yeah. And I
0: think on a deserted <laughs> island, you would need something
1: light. <laughs> totally, absolutely. But my actual favorite movie is Eternal Sunshine of the Spot. Oh, <laughs>
0: so good. I have it on DVD and I it's like one of like the three movies that I... Like, I don't know who still has DVDs, but for whatever reason, I just like, can't get rid of that one because I love that movie so much. Uh,
1: I do, too. And actually talking about uh, another good choice, talking about our, our um, similarities, would be Happy Thank You More, please, yes. I think. That's like a good remind you that there's beauty and, and love in life. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what I usually say is my favorite movie. That movie, or um, this is like really random and, or weird, but have you seen Serendipity?
1: Oh yeah, I loved Serendipity. I haven't seen it in a long time. Well, it's a good
0: Christmas movie. You got you oh, and Pete movies. should watch it.
1: We will cuz we've run out of Christmas movies at this yeah. point. <laughs> it's
0: on Netflix. So
1: Oh um, my god. We're I probably going to watch I it just, tonight.
0: Oh good. Okay, well, text me and like tell me cuz it's it's <laughs> my favorite. I know like every line from it. I listen to the soundtrack of it. And oh. I pretend that I'm in a movie. I, like, have a playlist on Spotify of that soundtrack and the Love Actually spawn- soundtrack and the <gasps> holiday soundtrack, and oh I just listen God. to them. And instead of listening to Christmas music, and I feel like I'm in a Christmas movie instead of, like, it being Christmas uh-huh. time. It's really weird, but...
1: No, that's so genius. The Love Actually... Okay, if I can just talk about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also listen to that soundtrack. I watch that Christmas movie, like, multiple times every year, Same. and that was my movie with my like really close girlfriends and so like we still text each other every time uh, I think you can if you go onto Pete's Instagram the picture that he posted of us last night uh, one of my like close girlfriends commented and said I just watched Love Actually because we like Aww. tell each other every time we watch it because it's like still our connection of like favorite favorite movies ever. I love that movie so much. Maybe I'm, I'm changing my my answer from step brothers to love actually cuz oh, that good. really is The Beginning of Love actually will make me cry every time. Oh my gosh, every Mel,
0: time. Listen to this. You're going to die. So when we when I was in high school, we could like go home for lunch or whatever. And my friends and I would go home from lunch and we would watch just the beginning of Love oh, Actually before ah. we'd go back to school to like get ahead of it. It was so weird.
1: Oh my God. That is adorable. And I would have done the exact same thing. I wish we knew each other in high school. I do
0: too. It was, it's so funny, but you know, this is, uh, this is like a, a tangent now, but I too love Love Actually so much. And I was on, um, facebook a couple and i always ration it like i don't allow myself to watch it unless it's the holiday season yeah and me too. um and so yeah so holidays are coming up whatever and somebody posted on facebook like a buzzfeed thing about 10 things about love actually and someone tagged like my friend who also loves it with me tagged me in it, and i was like oh cool it's gonna be like favorite moments and next <laughs> thing i know i'm on buzzfeed and it's like 10 things that are problematic about love actually from a feminist perspective
1: oh no and,
0: and it totally ruined i don't i'm not gonna even send you the article I wish that I could remove it from my mind because it's like all of these like you know like really like negative body image things and like oh feminist totally things. and like there's a lot in it that i that you can probably even think of right now but I don't even want to say anymore because I was like, um, dang it I just love this movie why is it ruined now i, was like, I wouldn't have even thought of it that way before but
1: I know. You know, what's so funny is, like, I'm such in that headspace where now every movie and show that I watch, I'm, like, seeing, I'm giving the feminist critique on it. And my brother um, forwarded me an Onion article recently that said, uh, I want to make sure I get it exactly right. The headline was, um, Feminist Suspends Her Belief for Two Hours So That She Can Enjoy Any Movie. Yes! Oh, my gosh so brilliant because it was like that's true like we it is shitty and it is something we should address but also like know. if we want to enjoy a movie sometimes you have to just be yeah. like all right you know it was 2001 or wherever whenever yeah
0: yeah no totally <laughs> I mean I was just having this conversation with a friend where I was like god don't you just wish you could turn it off for a minute and just like enjoy entertainment in a way that like I wasn't looking at it with that critical lens. Yeah. and I, I have to really do that
1: totally. yeah. and we we were just watching last night we were watching Batman Begins re-watching that. and Pete was like, uh, you know, it's the whole like storyline with Bruce and his dad and his mom is literally, Pete's like, you're going to hate what like his mom's character in this. She does not say a word And this oh, whole yeah. time. It's just his father, like get teaching him these, this wisdom and all this stuff. And his mom is in the shot. It's like, it would have been better <laughs> if they had just like killed her off. Like right. she's just in the shot, but never says a word. And I was like, Yeah, that's really stupid and frustrating, but, like, I guess that wasn't their battle. Like, they they weren't, that wasn't their thing that they were trying to do. So, again, not to, like, give it, not to justify it, but it is, like, eventually, you you know, you have to just, like, still be angry about it, but also allow yourself to enjoy wonderful movies like Love Actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, make it a discussion. And, like, what Pete said, you know, just being aware of it. Enough yeah. to say that you would, you know, find – notice that, you know, <laughs> exactly is, is good.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
0: the one other thing for the island, what food would you bring with you that you wouldn't get sick of?
1: Ooh. Ooh. I would say um, – I'm going to go ahead and say, well – like, can it be something like quinoa with uh, mixed vegetables on it? Yeah, <laughs> why not? That's yeah, best. okay, that's what I'm going to do. So technically, it's kind of two foods, I guess. but All um, mixed into one bowl. Yeah, just like a bowl of like... Quinoa, uh, sautéed kale and onions and mushrooms and and maybe some lentils in there too. I'll even
0: let you bring some avocado or tahini, whatever you need. Thank you, thank you.
1: you. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah, it'll it'll be the best island, and that's where we'll start our commune. Yes, perfect. There you um, go. Well, this is
0: perfect. This it might be the answer to my next question, but this is the question I ask everyone who comes on the show. And as you know, the name of of my blog and this podcast is the Wellness Wonderlands. What comes up? What does it look like?
1: Mm, absolutely, a hundred percent the farm dream, mm-hmm. I, like I already described. I, it's exactly that. Like I still actually feel like it could happen. Where like at least my brother uh, and and his and my sister in law live there and like maybe a couple friends that we can get if it's close enough to LA, maybe we can get them to move there. And uh, yeah. And it's really just like a communal um, living, but nobody has to like, nobody has to abide by, Yeah. yeah, by any rules. Like everybody can live their own lives, but we're just there together to like support each other. And then I would say very specifically, like every, at least every weekend, um, there is like a, a bluegrass band playing in a barn, and we just have like barefoot dance parties every weekend. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh! Can this just be now? And can I be invited <laughs> to this commune? This sounds yes. amazing. The I think you. Wonderland.
1: Yeah, you're definitely invited, and and we'll have like farm to table dinners, and yes. we'll invite people and have festivals and retreats, Beyonce, and Taylor. and yeah, we'll <laughs> just get the old standbys. And, yes. Uh, yeah. But Um, when I I picture my healthiest, like happiest, highest self, I'm actually picturing just me in like a white cotton dress dancing barefoot in a barn. It's so weird. mm. But I really like – that's like my inner self just like feeling fully alive and and (laughs) self-actualized.
0: I think it's really great to have an image of yourself at your happiest and healthiest. I often have people in my yoga class, I do a visualization of – people and I ask them to do that exact thing. Mm. And that's great that you have that that image of, of yourself of what yeah. that looks like for you. And I think, yeah. you know, community and being around people, whenever I've like when I mentioned my study abroad whenever I've been around people, it's when I've happened to been the healthiest and happiest because mm. there it brings out the best in you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's all putting into that that love bowl. Like images. Cutting yeah. it
0: all back up with a bow. This has been so amazing. Seriously, thank you so much for everything you shared. You're you're way cool, and I'm glad I got to know you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really, I really appreciate you reaching out, and I've enjoyed every minute of this. And let's keep having conversations, whether they're recorded or not. <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest and like the wellness wonderland on Facebook. So we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives and never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on the wellness